Cheers to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Hello and welcome to the Dura Sisters Podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is the day we've all been waiting for. Today is the Picard explosion. (laughs) (laughs) The Picard wrap-up. We are finally here to talk about all of Picard because it's over officially. This is a very, very, very special episode, something that Rhian and I have not really done before, ever on the pod. We've been talking about that this is kind of our weird time where we're catching up on old podcasts and we're doing a bunch of specials. This is the specialist special (laughs) that we've ever done before. So I'm very excited about today. On the pod, we always get to talk about certain themes of Mm -hmm. different episodes. So we don't always get to talk about full seasons. Pretty much anything you could ever want to discuss in Picard will be covered today. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And this is even more special because Ashlyn and I are together at the corner of her desk, like literally having a little chat together in person. So I can't believe that we get to do this Picard recording, like explosion of craziness <laughs> together. And of course we didn't plan it. Like all good things. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. We don't do this on purpose. I honestly don't know how this keeps happening. It's just magic. Like Rihanna was in town and then we were like, wait, I think all of this is going to pull together around yeah. the end of Picard. I guess this can work. And then it did. We had two other uh, little interviews slash uh, guests that we interviewed today and talked with, and they're going to be on later on in this podcast, so it's really exciting. It's been quite the day, and so we're wrapping it up with this giant sort of recap and rec- and recovery and just <laughs> uh, uncovering so much of Picard and what the show means to us and what it means to the fans as well. Yeah, so Rianne, you talked about some exciting elements that we have in this episode. I'm going to do a little breakdown of what you're about to hear. Yeah. So. Um, we have been asking you for a couple weeks now for voicemails. Well, not a couple weeks because it ended last week, but we've been asking you, it feels like weeks, like every day has been a week to me since Picard ended because I'm very sad. So long, Um, so we've been asking for about a week for your voicemails and your thoughts about how the wrap up of Picard went and how you feel about the show in general. So, uh, stay tuned for those voicemails as we go through. And then we will also be honoring every single character. You know, if you if you heard this podcast, you know we love doing this. Um, we're going to talk about every single character in Picard. I'm, I mean, not, I mean, you know, there's not a limit. every single, yeah. yeah. I'm not like extra number two, look very happy. <laughs> like, none of that. But like the, the, the big characters that we've been following for these years. Um, we're going to have a little sentence and a little cheers to them. Um, and then we have a wonderful interview with Abby Beasley, who worked on Picard season two and three uh, in both the props and art departments. So uh, we were very excited to like definitely stay tuned for that interview. Rihanna and I were freaking out. Totally. Um, and then we are going to talk about the seasons. We're going to go over season one, two, and three. And after that, we have a very amazing segment with our mom. She's joining us on the podcast. Um, we all made predictions at the beginning of season three. And we're going to be reading our results together out. 
um, amazing. And crowning the winner of the predictions. And crowning the winner, yeah, of who guessed the episode or who guessed the season most correctly. And then we're just going to end with kind of a wrap-up thoughts and our reviews after discussing everything that we're going to be discussing in the next maybe two hours, (laughs) perhaps more. (laughs) Uh, We're going to finally talk about our final thoughts. So... Wow, this is going to be really exciting. And if you can believe there's a little bit more housekeeping to do, we have two patrons on top of all of this. On top of the amazing things going on, we have two new patrons. We have Amy the Magic Snail. Amy, yes. (laughs) Like, I'm obsessed. So Amy the Magic Snail, thank you so much. And we also have Jordan Hirsch. Um, so thank you so much for signing up. We just get so overjoyed when we see there's a patron, especially since we've been, we've been together this week. Yeah. We're getting these notifications in real time and we're like, wow, thank you. Usually I just text Ashlyn like in all caps. I'm like, no patron. But this time we got, I just got to turn to her and go, no patron. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Got to be weird together. So (laughs) So thank you. Yes. Thank you both for giving us that joy and for all of our patrons for giving us this joy. So now we have Amy, the magic snail, Jordan Hirsch. Welcome. Along with Megan Chowney. MC Freudis, Spotted Giraffe, Isabel, David Willett, Curlon Noskos, Wolfwit, Rick Mason, John T. Bolds, Gil Dara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle. That means that we have 18 patrons, Rihanna. We almost have wow. 20. And uh, I am just so happy to have you here. We're going to have to <laughs> set aside five minutes for this special <laughs> at some point. Uh, so thank you all so much. And I would like to choose an action figure now yes. before we forget. <laughs> Agreed. I actually brought some from home, so I have a little bag here. Okay. <laughs> Ashlyn has her gigantic I bag. I have a huge bag. And I offered to share, but she has her I precious no. <laughs> action figures. I brought it for this moment. So. <laughs> all right, let's do it. I think I picked the coolest one. All right, who's the coolest one, Rihanna? Baytor <gasps> of the Dura Sisters podcast oh, has my. joined. So Baytor number two, the smaller version of me, is here with her batlet. Ashlyn, who did you choose to join us? Well, I just have to also make a note that um, Baytor's Batleaf literally perfectly matches Rihanna's jacket. <gasps> so this right. was totally it's, destiny. Um, science blue teal. So oh, yeah, okay. Who's, who's uh, counting following out. along? Yeah. <laughs> oh, what color is their jackets today? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I am wearing my TNG uniform because yeah, blue one. Yeah. it's been getting so much use. We're in all our science blues. Wow. Yeah, and we have our Picard team. necklaces. We're just we're so yeah. ready for y'all today. Totally. Yeah. Well, I have Riker, so what? this is an amazing time for wow. us to be alive. He looks great. He's he's very handsome very, as a playmate's bearded, toy. Yeah. yeah, I think that him and Bator are gonna have an excellent time together um, using you know some banter. So yes, <laughs> yeah, uh, we'll see. Well, I don't know if we should let them alone. <laughs> yeah. They're gonna get up to something if we leave them alone for too long. Um, okay, so Rihanna, I have some questions for you. Please hit me with them. Okay, Picard. It has been quite a journey, and uh, I, I mean, every opinion has been thought about Picard. Yeah. <laughs> every season has been so different. Every character has had such a journey and has changed so much. So I'm wondering for you, which opinion of a character has changed the most for you over these three seasons of Picard? Great, great question. Um, I'm going with kind of an obvious one. Um, with Picard himself, I think that John Luke Picard has has changed a lot, and my opinion on him as like a person and a captain has changed. For me, I've always thought Picard, like 
as my ranking of captains is kind of in the middle. You know, like Cisco and Janeway are above him, and like he's yeah, like he's awesome, but he's never really been my go-to captain. And so making a whole show out of him, I was of course excited. And Sir Patrick Stewart's a genius, but I was also just like, okay, cool. Like I would have preferred a Janeway spinoff thing, but like that's fine because he. he does this so well and so throughout the seasons I think I didn't really like him in the beginning because he was pushing all his friends away and he was being kind of like a dick (laughs) I'm gonna drop the first bomb (laughs) of the night okay yeah there's there's gonna be swearing tonight yeah turn turn it down Uh hide your children (laughs) yeah (laughs) and so um I just think that I was frustrated with him often in season one, particularly in the beginning episodes, um, because there was clear that there was a lot of emotional work that he hadn't done that he then did in this season and in the following seasons. And I think that season two was a great exploration of that. And then Picard got to explore more of himself through these different lenses that we kind of, you know, like explore him through through our pod. We got to see him in family. We got to see him in like time travel, all these different situations that helped him grow. So... I was really impressed by the man he is, and and now I'm more in tune with him emotionally. Like, I've always been like, yes, he's a great captain, but as personality or even just, like, persons go, like, he's obviously very Starfleet-oriented, and so it was really cool to see John Luke and not Captain Picard as much in this, so basic answer obviously I'm choosing the main character <laughs> but I really do think they've done his growth arc just so so beautifully you're preaching to the choir yeah here. exactly I mean Picard's my main man yeah um I totally agree with you and I think it speaks to the success of a show if you feel this way after its conclusion you feel like he had an arc despite having known him for seven years it's it's really amazing what they've done great Agreed. answer Rihanna yeah uh, for myself, is an interesting one. I'm going to go with um, Seven of Nine, actually, because I thought she was fine on Voyager. I thought she was a really interesting character, but I'm such a JC fan yeah. that I literally wrote her off after everything that happened with her in Endgame and Chakotay. This is like the first time I watched Voyager through. So I, as a character, I was like, she's fine, but like that pissed me off. Sure. And then watching Picard and being an adult (laughs) and, uh, like, having a completely different perspective of Seven of Nine, she's, like, the coolest person. She's rocketed up to one of my favorite Star Trek characters of all time. Hell yeah! I'm such a Seven lady. Um, And just to see her, like, explore her more human side and have these connections with Picard and all the poor Borg has been really interesting in this season and also just her rise to being literally captain like wow meteor meteorotic rise for seven like this is a really great time for her so I have to say I just adore her so yeah she's incredible and I'm so glad that we've both sort of come around to characters that we've we've separately adored (laughs) yes we and I kind of swapped because she's always loved seven (laughs) totally (laughs) okay wonderful so now you know we're setting the tone yeah Uh, I have I do have one more question Rihanna for you so if there were no issues with money no restrictions with producers or writers or schedules or actors who would you have chosen to appeared on the last season of Picard or really any of Picard um that did not appear during the show oh okay well I have you know like a couple that were so close like had some mentions like of course Janeway um would have been just 
fucking incredible. And actually, today is Kate Mulgrew's birthday. It is April 29th. Um, and we are here recording the pod. It's just amazing. Like, what a time to be alive. I'm just so happy because now whenever we listen to High Infidelity by Taylor Swift, it's like, do you really want to know where I was April 29th? It's like when we were recording the Picard Explosion episode. That's the most epic way to know. Celebrating Kate Mulgrew's birthday. (laughs) (laughs) Happy birthday, Kate. You've literally changed our lives. We love you. We wish you were in Picard. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, so that's an obvious one just because, like, they kept mentioning her and sort of teasing that, oh, well, Janeway's a changeling. She's being held somewhere, whatever. Uh, um, sorry. Yeah, no. <laughs> We're still mad about I'm it. I'm very, very sad. Yeah. But I honestly am going to go with a simple one who they clearly have no reason for not bringing him back is Will Wheaton. Um, I think that com- they completely, completely slandered Wesley's character and Will Wheaton's connection to Star Trek and connection to the actors. I... We watched, like, a couple of the Ready Room, I think just one, actually, Ready Room episode, and Will Wheaton actually seemed a little bit, like, salty that he wasn't invited back, and I definitely would be, too. Like, he, of course, does it so gracefully, but you can tell, like, I actually didn't think he was salty at all. Okay, maybe he wasn't, but I feel like at least, you know, I think there's a part of of all of us that would have wanted to see a more complete version of a TNG, if you're going to go a TNG reunion do the full thing, you know, and get Will Wheaton, get, like, all of our little side characters back, mention more of the children, please, you know, that kind of stuff. So that's that's where I'm going for. I think in general, yes, he's salty. But on the Ready yeah. Room, I think he did a good job of hiding it. Totally, um, yeah. I am salty for him. Mm-hmm. I completely agree with you. It it hurts, especially in season three, like, not even a glimpse. I, I know Will Wheaton has a canon, like, an, an answer that he's developed for himself, which is that, like, Wesley, when he joined the Travelers, he's, like, that's, he knew what he was giving up. Mm-hmm. But Be- did Bev, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Well, anyway. and, like, if he, it's just, like, you give him sort of an all-powerful knowing, like, able to travel places, like, person out. Like, you give him that, that trait, and then you don't bring him back. You know, it's, like, such an easy way to bring him back. Yes, he's the Traveler. He can go anywhere. Yeah. Dumb. I mean, at least we saw him at the end of season two. Yeah, that's the we only solace. There. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Um, yes, Ashlyn, what about you? Who would you have brought in with uh, no restrictions? I mean, of course, Janeway is the answer. That's yes. the answer of the hour. Um, totally. Everyone, everyone feels this way. <laughs> yes, I think, everyone. except the people who hate her for killing two uh, yeah. Um, Rihanna, I'm gonna say Neelix. <laughs> I just get kidding. out. <laughs> I'm taking you out of your own room right now. <laughs> I, I would love I'm, no offense there's no character I would least films. want to see yeah no but. disrespect um, <laughs> okay I think no restrictions it would have been Cisco because I would love a reconciliation between Cisco and Picard not that it needs it like it's not like that's hanging in the balance for me sure. but it would have been really neat especially because Shaw has so many issues with Picard also just like murdering his friends and family as Lacutus. So I think that would have been a really interesting scene. And especially if Cisco had been on board or something, I, I don't know. I Man, mean, yeah. I don't know how to get him in there, but, um, it, and especially with the twist with the dominion, I just feel like it would add these base nine, um, give it a more solid foothold 
in yes. this universe that they're building because they leave out DS9, they leave out Enterprise, which I understand. It's okay to leave out Enterprise. But DS9's, Ooh, like, happening. But I mean, like... <laughs> oh, current timeline. Yeah, I mean, yeah. current timeline. Like, Enterprise isn't actually happening at the yeah. same time as Picard, you know? <laughs> actually, and really quick, go listen to the Trexperts Picard. Uh, it's the finale of season one of Trexperts. And Ashlyn was just on, and she actually has a brilliant way to bring... Enterprise yeah, into you, the yeah, Picard finale. You have to listen. That was a really epic finale. Um, Trexperts is an amazing show. Please go yeah. and show Davy some love. <laughs> yeah, seriously. So I was just thinking about that. It's like, well, we can always bring Archer in. <laughs> yep, yeah. <laughs> but Ashlyn, I love your answer of Cisco. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just miss that DS9 rep. Agreed. Especially, like you said, with the changelings being there. That's just BS. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so now I would like to transition and read a thought from Matt Jennings. So he sent in. I never thought I would see the TNG crew back together again. I definitely didn't think I would see the 1701D ever again. The season has been a revisit to my early childhood in a nostalgic yet necessary way. There was a great story that motivated this reunion of characters. Everything felt honest and earned. This was a great passing of the torch story as well. If the powers that be ever needed a more clear sign that there are more stories to tell in this time period, then Star Trek Picard should make it obvious. Matt J, thank you very much for sending in your thoughts. Seriously, all of these thoughts we're getting in these voicemails are just, like, so incredible. And Ashlyn and I were, like, squealing with excitement hearing them. So thank you for sending yours in, everyone who did. Thank you. And then now it is time for a character shout-out. So, Rihanna, so we're going to kind of go in a random order, but that's the fun of... Yeah, the card explosion. So, um, Rihanna, I'm going to give it to you to give a little shout-out to Agnes Gerardi slash the Borg Queen. <laughs> Thank you, Ashlyn. So excited. Um, okay, well, let's talk about Agnes. She is a badass who is a woman in STEM. She has worked with Bruce Maddox. She works in AI. She is incredible in her field and she's also incredible at making deals with the Borg Queen and becoming a literal queen in her in the Borg and uh, creating a peace treaty so shout out to Gerardi for making peace and being in a woman in STEM. All right thank you Rihanna <laughs> um, that was beautiful um, I'm gonna go ahead and shout out uh, Soji, Asha can I do Soji and Dodge? Yeah let's do them. Okay so I'm gonna do Soji and Dodge Amazing portrayal by Issa Briones. Dodge makes uh, episode one of Picard Remembrance extremely memorable and extremely easy to connect with. She's a homie and her sacrifice is not forgotten. Um, as And neither is Soji, who went through so many uh, terrible moments <laughs> to get where she needs to be. And I wish we had seen more of her and seen what she's become. And I have high hopes for her for Legacy. Okay, um, sorry, <laughs> there goes the action figures. I think while we're at it, let's talk about the other people played by Issa Briones, including Sutra, Kore, and all of the other people that she played. Uh, just a quick other shout out to Issa Briones for being an amazing actor. I don't care what everyone says, you played a different person every time. I could tell, we all could tell, we love you. Thank you, Kore, for solving your problems with your soon daddy issues. And joining Will Wheaton, the Traveler, <laughs> Wesley. Fulfilling your destiny. Woo! <laughs> Amazing. Okay, well, thank you. That was a lovely group of shout-outs we got done. Um, so now we are very excited to share our interview with Abby Beasley. Please welcome her to the pod. 
So now we are very excited because this Picard special has a lot of different elements to it. We are excited to talk about the background of Picard, which is something that we don't get to do very much on the podcast, Rihanna. Mm -hmm. So we are very excited to have Abby Beasley with us. Abby, welcome to the pod. Yeah, thank you. Happy to be here. We're so happy to have you. Thank you. So tell us just like a little bit about your role on Picard. Like what is your job title? So you worked on Picard seasons two and three. Is that correct? Yeah. So I did season two and three and I worked in the set decoration department and my roles on each season were a little different. So in season two, I worked a lot more in prep and um, kind of getting all the things ready before they shot. And then in season three, I spent a lot of time on set when they were actually shooting, as well as off. I kind of jumped back and forth. But um, so my experience in season three, I was actually on set when they were shooting some. So it's it a little different. And it's kind of cool because I got a lot of different perspectives as to how the show is made. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So already I'm, I'm so excited to hear more, but I thought this was such a crazy connection that we have because I sing at the First Presbyterian Church um, in Virginia in the choir. Kim is one of my good friends. We're both sopranos. We, we've roomed with each other on different, different things. And um, I mentioned, because I'm not like very out about, I have a Star Trek podcast because the most like normal people are, are not like interested in that information, but um, it came out when they were in choir and Kim just looked at me and was like, oh my, like I have someone that you need to talk to. So I've, I've been very excited. So you're Kim's sister-in-law. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, my brother started dating when I was very young. So Kim's oh, been like my my sister since I was like 12, it feels like, or something like love that. that. So, yeah. yeah, amazing. It's it's so rare to have an in-person Star Trek con- a contact. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> Everyone, it's like either you're like all out, I'm a crazy Trekkie, and I'm owning it, and the whole world needs to know, or you're kind of like, who's safe to share this information with? Yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> Like what it seems like. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely right. Well, and like most interviews we get, it's like we have to fight through like, you know, emailing people. We've never met them in real life. And I know we haven't met you, but it's just, it's crazy to have that Kim connection. So thank you to Kim. Yeah, thank you. Making this happen. (laughs) Totally. Um, Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering, were you a Star Trek fan before working on this project or like, what is your history with Trek? If there's anything at all. So, I mean, it might be a little disappointing, (laughs) but... (laughs) I I had seen the newer movies and I really liked them, which you say to most Trekkies and they're like, oh, no, <laughs> you know, I'm um, obsessed with the okay. movies. Yeah. <laughs> I would I would mention that like sometimes to people on the show that were Trekkies on the show and they would be like, well, you know, that's not what we're doing here. Right. We're we're not doing that. We're that's not. And so I was like, oh, OK, don't even mention those movies. OK, we're doing a whole other we're doing. OG TNG vibes is what they, you know, wanted it to be like. So my my dad did watch some TNG when I was growing up. So I had seen some of it because of that. So I have, you know, childhood memories, but I wasn't like I was a I was Trekkie or I really knew what was going on. So when I found out I was going to be on the show, I did a ton of like binging of old school TNG. So I to try and like wrap my head around some of the world. And then I kind of became to appreciate it more and more as I was working on the show. Yeah, it's so fun to dive into the world. We also had our dad sort of always had uh, the original series on in the background. So I feel like a lot of us have our parents to thank for just like having Trek on. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You at least like the iconic characters are familiar to you and you you might not know exactly, but yeah. 
that's and that's still kind of where I am because even though I did do a lot of research for the show, and it's just, just there's so much. Yes. There's so much if you want to claim to really know what you're talking about, and I would never claim that because then you start talking to somebody who really does, and you go, "Oh, okay." <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. But it was it was really important to us because of um, the lore behind it and such a huge following that we really wanted to do justice to the fans. And so if there was something specific, we wanted to make sure we we're doing it right. So obviously, if there's something we wanted to reference, we were all very intentional about thoroughly trying to thoroughly research it and know what we were doing. So, you know, I would do it for that, but I've forgotten a lot of it too. Sure. That makes me so happy though. Like even on like, that's the goal that everyone is working towards, you know, which I feel like so many projects is not like that. Yeah. And I would say any big fandom, you're going to be disappointed when you find out that all the people working on it aren't huge fans. They wanted people that were huge fans if they could get them. So I know, I know a lot of people on the show that, that worked on the show that were, and then the people that weren't, were trying to keep up, you know, and do it justice and, and try and learn best they could oh yeah so I'm curious then so you're living in LA is that correct yeah yeah how what is your path how how has your career like gone like how how have you made it to to this point and what are you currently working on oh my big question (laughs) just little Uh, questions here yeah (laughs) you know everybody's path to ending up in the in wherever they are in film is always kind of crazy or or super straightforward usually one or the other I've done all kinds of stuff. I, I've done a lot of weird little things and I keep getting to a degree and then I'll switch lanes. So I, I studied theater in um, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, that's where I met my husband and he, he does lighting. So, and then we, we moved out here together. And so he's a lighting programmer. I did for six years, I did miniatures. I kind of did, like went, went in a whole left field and, and decided to do miniatures. So I worked in stop motion animation for six, about six years. And then I decided that I, I really wanted to do more live action. And so I kind of switched lanes and was sort of testing the waters in the art department and set decoration department. Star Trek was amazing for that because I have a lot, I have a huge background in fabrication because of the miniatures work. Because Star Trek is so specific, there was a lot of specialty fabrication and specialty needs and builds in Star Trek. So I, I had done the miniatures work and then um, I had to start kind of at, at square one. And then I really quickly was able to get into the union because I had special skills and the town was really busy at that time. It's quite hard to do, to get into the union. So, and I've been trying for years when I was doing miniatures. So it was great. That so, is great. Yeah. I'm in the music field and like getting to be part of the union and orchestra person or um, musician is, is really hard. So I can't imagine for a film when it's so saturated and there's so much going on, yeah. how difficult that would be. And it really depends on what position you want, because some positions are way easier to get in than others. So it, it just, and it just, it's all word of mouth. Like everyone says, it's true. It really is. So you have to know people and they have to like you <laughs> and you have to be good. It's, it is, it is, especially in LA, if you want to go to Atlanta or other places, no offense, but it's easier. If, if you're in LA, it's like, we take a lot of pride in being very specialized and trained for what we're doing. So it's a lot more competitive and it's a lot older knowledge, you know, whereas other places it's, it's way easier. Because in Atlanta, you don't even have to be special. It's one union and you can do any role, which is crazy to me, but it worked. It's working, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're making great stuff. So 
it's working, but it's, a, it's just different than being out here for sure. So how do you get jobs? Like, is it through the union or are you like attached to a company or like you're basically freelancing and then whatever opens up, they, or like word of mouth, like how, like in Picard specifically, how did that happen for you? Um, so yeah, it's all, it's all word of mouth. I mean, technically the union will look, I mean, they will air quotes, look for work for you. Sure. And some unions are better at that than others. And they will, if people call in and need someone, yeah, they'll, they go through the list and call the people who are saying they're available and looking for work, but that's it. And people don't usually call into the union looking for people unless they're crazy desperate and they've gone through their whole list of people. Cause people don't want to hire someone they haven't heard anything good about. Cause you never know what you're going to get. Yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's definitely just working with people who say, oh, I know, I know a guy, I got I got somebody, you know, it's very much that kind of thing. Um, I got on Picard because I was good friends with the set decoration coordinator and um, they needed a PA and I had PA'd on Bless This Mess with him. And I also was just good friends with him. We'd actually met my friend Dan Tiffany. We'd met, um, I don't know, like way back in my stop motion days, actually. Wow. He like did a sit in stop motion and then went back to live action. So, and I worked, one of the art directors I had worked with too in stop motion, you end up, it's, a, it's like a small world for sure. You end up crossing paths with people where you're like, I, I met you eight years ago on this tiny thing. And now you're working on this huge, you know, thing. Wow. So yeah. it's, I am definitely, I would say I'm crazy lucky and blessed that I was able to get in on Picard because it's such a huge show. I'm so lucky, so crazy lucky to have not only got to work on it, but to have gotten in the union and been able to work union on that show was just like so great, such a blessing. So it was really cool. That sounds Thank like you, Dean Tiffany, and all the people who helped me. There's a huge list of people who helped me actually get my union days. But, oh, yeah. but Dan was the reason I actually got the, the first job. He was the coordinator for the beginning of season two and most of season two. So cool. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm curious because you're talking about just like the differences between seasons two and three. Will you like talk us through season two? Um, like what specific like types of things you were doing? Yeah, of course. So um, season two, was, it was so much fun. I, don't, I could get really detailed about this, but I don't want to like confuse and bore you because it's very bleh. But art department and set decoration department are two separate things that work closely together. So if you think about art department is like, if you move into a house, right? What you, what's there when you move in. So the tile, the permanent fixtures in the house, all the things that don't move, wallpaper, carpeting, that kind of thing, that's art department. And they kind of set the tone for what their expectations are. And then set decoration comes in and does lighting fixtures and art and furniture and rugs and that kind of thing and make the space feel really lived in. So that's why I was drawn to set decoration partially because I'm just like such a hands-on kind of person mm -hmm. and I love doing the character work I love reading scripts and thinking about what would they have what you know that's so much fun to me and props obviously very much like that what what little things does tell you who this character is without you even needing to hear them say lines like what you can see this in the back of their room and know they're interested in this thing or they had this from their aunt or whatever you know so um I did that on season two, specifically prepping the spaces. So helping the whole, Tim Stefik was that decorator for season two. So in his team, um, there are a lot of different buyers and um, dressers and everything. We did, you know, like everything that goes in the space. So choosing the, the blinds and the carpet and everything. Um, 
I would say one of our craziest sets was, uh, I don't know if you recall the gala, but the big yes. gala that yes. took place was bananas. That was a crazy set. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yusu was the main buyer on that. And she did a, like a really good job because that was crazy having to get all kinds of like real NASA things and just all sorts of things to dress that space with. It was very, I wasn't in charge of a lot at that point because it was still mm-hmm. early for me, but I did get to do like a promo deal to get this like special um, metal, it wasn't a metal detector, but it was like a detector that, that detects if there's a bomb or something like that. Right. And we really wanted whatever, it was supposed to be the year 2025. So we wanted whatever was the highest tech now would sure. be 2025. So, and that's what they were starting to put into like SoFi Stadium and all of these like Six Flags and all these different places. So, I mean, I know that's not very exciting, but that's the kind of thought process that you have to do if you're in set deck is like, okay, you know, like really thinking through those decisions as to, to what's going to tell the story most accurately. And obviously that's super dis- different being your 2025 than general Star Trek. It's kind of a whole other thing, but. Oh, yeah. yeah. But oh, like, yeah. And Abby, I will say it is very exciting to us. <laughs> like, oh, okay, good. <laughs> your thing is so fascinating to me because I think. Okay. Something I've always loved to look in the background, like you're saying, and to see like what personality comes out in each set and each like location. Yeah. So so cool. Yeah. Well, and we talk to so many Trek people who are obsessed with these tiny little details. Like we don't like pause and look for everything. Yeah. That that was the most intimidating thing about working on this show is, you know, usually when you're doing set tech, people are like... (laughs) No one's going to pause it and look at the background yeah. but on this show. You know, they're going to do that. So there's yeah. a lot of pressure to do a yeah. good job. So especially Picard's library, that was my favorite set. And we were, we were supposed to shoot it so much more than we did. Mm-hmm. We built that thinking it was going to be a recur- like very common set that whole season. And then we only shot in it, like, I think like two episodes or something like that. Yeah. But that we put so much thought into that and I mean Tim and uh Rebecca was the main buyer on that one did a lot of like tried to do a lot of easter eggs and I know some people have found them but we did put in a lot of easter eggs in that set I don't know if you guys have know have you noticed any of them I don't think so I it's been a minute since yeah. I looked okay I know it's like an old season at this point but if you look we did um I actually got to paint it I, it was really really cool I painted a um like a floral tray that we found in the family episode from TNG. Wow. So if he had ha- kept that tray. So I had to like, it was so blurry and terrible. I was like, what is this even, what's even on here? So um, yeah, we, we rep- did a replica of that tray and trying to find the exact shape and exactly what was painted. We couldn't tell for the longest time if it was fruit or flowers. <laughs> Doing tons of research on what that might be. Um, and then we did, uh, we had Greg oh. Aronowitz, I believe is his name, sculpt. He did this uh, plow. It's like a plow sculpture that was also in the family episode is in that library. And there were several other things that were more obvious, like his, uh, oh, I can't think of the name for it right now, but the shell thing that it's in his office, in his uh, quarters in TNG. Other things like that that we sprinkled in that are more iconic. On the back of his chair is like a Romulan uh, tapestry that's from an old, I don't know what it was from, but yeah, that's so you know, we kept cool. doing that kind yes. of thing and trying to stick them in places. So Absolutely. it was really fun. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Everyone's like, we know Trekkies are crazy. Like they're going to look at everything. <laughs> <laughs> yes. It was a lot. Of, yeah. It was a lot of pressure. You got to do it right. And we had way more prep for that season than 
generally because of COVID. So in that way, we were lucky. They did keep changing the scripts a lot. So that was kind of difficult. But so some of it was useless and some of it was really great. Way more prep to do that kind of more thorough research. So that was really cool. Absolutely. Because season two was, a lot of it was filmed on location. I mean, it made it seem like it was. Like, I know a lot of it was filmed in LA, which is, I mean, it all is filmed in LA, but it <laughs> sure. seemed like a lot mm-hmm. was on the street. Do you have anything to do, like, when they're, like, running down streets or anything? Or you're just, like, decorating oh, yeah. sets? Or, okay, oh, yeah. 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 Anytime you see anything on screen, somebody, well, I can't say anytime, but generally, they've done something to that location. Yeah. Unless it's, like, a wall that's exactly like they want it to be and everything is just literally like they want it to be. If it's the outside of a house or the outside of a something, they'll go in and they're doing new graphics on the windows and they're repainting walls and they're adding in um, dumpsters and trash and fire hydrants, whatever you're seeing, not always, but a lot of times it's put there. Sometimes, you know, a downtown street will have some of that and they'll, they'll utilize it if it's a fire hydrant in the ground. So they're not going to like whip that out. But yeah, if there's trash, that trash is put there we dressed that trash in. So a lot of those home, the homeless encampments were huge. That was like so many homeless encampments that we did and that how to get, uh, you know, creative with that was a, was a thing too. So yeah, we, so we have a lot to do with, and that's all, well, not all set deck, but that's a lot of set deck, all the bits, but the painting and that would be art. I'm also curious too, like what it was like working during the sort of the COVID era and just mm-hmm. how that sort of changed the nature of television in general and of your work too. Oh my gosh. Well, I could talk about that for a long time. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Uh, what a wild time. For Picard specifically, I would say that it it was weird because we were one of the only shows that kept working, like we worked actually through the shutdown a lot. I didn't get brought on as early as some other people, but some people were on for most of that shutdown because they had started, actually my first day was supposed to be the day that, that they announced like the world's going into quarantine. Whoa, wow. That was supposed to be my first day. And I was like, Whoa. wow. <laughs> yeah. My the coordinator called me and he's like, never mind. Don't come meet everybody. Go back home. We're all packing up. We don't know what to do. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So a lot of people just work from home for a really long time, just researching and doing things like that, which is, kind of nuts because that's a lot of money for research that ended up a lot of times changing because the scripts were changing because they didn't I mean season two is the way it is because of COVID because they didn't know you know what was going to be easy to shoot what studio space is going to be like you know so I think they were like okay we'll use LA locations to make it simpler and a lot of it was lack of extras you couldn't have a lot of people on set and it was extremely regulated who who was even allowed while they were filming to be on set with the actors and you had to wear full you know mask and the shields and everything and some sets not ours but a friend of mine was just telling me that they even had the little, these little um things that would beep if they were too close to another person oh, Whoa. <laughs> yeah and people would Intense. eat in little cubbies little plastic cubbies and you know it was it was a wild time, <laughs> but it wasn't too, it wasn't too bad. It, you know, they just regulated really closely who, who was on set and who wasn't, which is one reason I wasn't on set that much that season. So I think it limited the show for sure in that way, because unfortunately they were trying to do all of these locations that were smaller, that had fewer extras that needed to go through screening and everything. It actually gave us like so much workout because doing all of those locations, almost so many locations, 
was a lot of work versus like a lot of seasons that, okay, we're on the same ship that we have built on stage, you know? Yeah. So it's actually less, but we spent all of season two building the Stargazer or Titan. Wow. So, which is the same ship. Same yeah. 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 It's just, it's dressed slightly differently, but it's kind sure. of yeah. very similar. <laughs> so that was one reason too, they spent a lot of that season building that set. So it's, you know, they, they used it a ton in season three. Did the COVID restrictions relax a little bit for season three or was it pretty strict throughout? Um, yeah, uh, there have been a few different changes. I'm trying to remember. I think, yeah, I think they, they relaxed a little bit, but it was still, you needed to be vaccinated and it just, it wasn't as, <clears throat> they were just being really intense at first about the number of people. So it was just really hard to get people okayed because we have whole COVID departments. Mm-hmm. that are like you know and you get tested every day and all these different things but it was more a, a little more relaxed not a lot more you I think it got to the point where you didn't need to wear face shields you could just wear a mask and sometimes it depends on the actor if the actor's really you know, like immune compromised or nervous about it or whatever maybe people wear extra especially if they're like a make like makeup artist hair people who are really close to the actor sometimes would have to wear extra when everybody else if you're farther away is okay now, I think it was, it was different for different productions and different actors and requirements and stuff. It was frustrating uh-huh. when it was really hot, you mm. know, totally. when you get like all agitated and you're fighting yeah. it, you know, um, it wasn't, it wasn't too bad. Nobody was super crazy about it or anything. It was just, mm. you know, let's all do our due diligence and protect each other the best we can. We did get, we did get totally shut down though at one point because every, like, everybody got in season three there was a point where it was like people just dropping like flies everybody was getting COVID and then they have to do all the testing like they have to go back and trace who they were in contact with and they have to leave and then eventually uh you know Patrick Stewart got it and it was like well okay well we're we're done we can't do anything yeah (laughs) Yeah. I think we shut down once or twice for COVID Mm -hmm. but you know for a few weeks and then came back so it's a weird time but our uh the the contract is almost up so um, now I think our COVID whole policies are going to be done here at some wow. point. Yeah. Okay. So that's exciting for a lot of people are sick of paying to test everyone. Producers are going to be very happy. For season three then, so it's not on location, you know, you're back back to sets. What was then your experience for this season? And now, you know, we got the whole TNG crew. I'm sure the focus has probably shifted a little bit to District 6, which was, you know, the all that the Rafi and um warp section like that whole thing that was like a crazy crazy thing like you can't even tell in the show how massive that set was built out we shot Mm -hmm. that on a ranch out here and it was it's this giant courtyard that was all scrapped together things from old sets and just we call that kit bashing sort of it's sort of kit bashing like you know when you're using things to kind of scrap together something tons mm-hmm. of that kind of stuff um so if you look close you might be able to be like oh that's the wall from that you like from that from like the board cube or something <laughs> and that, that okay. actually is true and, you know there's all sorts of that like repurposing like if you look um the part of the stage from the uh when they were going to kill the board queen and she's like in the auditorium yeah that like, metal stage thing is like in district six and there's people just like dancing on it like at the club oh, or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's so there's if yeah. you look close you'll notice all kinds of little things like that i was really impressed at how well that team really 
put all of the pieces together to make something when you don't have a huge budget at that point. So yeah. that was a really big set. Um, but you know, the ship was just like minor changes for me in season three, I spent a lot of time working really closely with the, um, prop shop doing the specialty build kind of stuff. And, um, I spent some time on set. So that was cool to get to watch, you know, the actors do their thing and the different directors. And it's definitely a crazy, you can't compare it to anything else to be on set. It's very cool. And the energy is very cool, but I, I definitely don't enjoy it <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So fair. You gotta, you gotta be a certain personality type to be able to do it frequently, but it was kind of perfect because I was able to hop in and out, you know, yeah. get a little bit of both. So I did get time doing both things and it's, satisfying in a different way to see it on screen when you're like oh I was right behind that door like the video village is right there and I was you know I don't whatever yeah. you were doing yeah. at the time so that that was more of my experience on season three was a little bit of both jumping back and forth but it was cool with the you know the old cast that was definitely cool and um you know seeing old friends work together is really fun do you yeah. do you have I'm, I'm thinking about like Terry Metalis coming on as the showrunner like just like from the top down did you notice like anything different in kind of like the vibe or like do you generally tend to notice like when it's like different directors like does that have an impact on you or like you're kind of on oh, your own yeah okay yeah no, it has a huge impact on everybody yeah mm -hmm. um so Terry was great I really like Terry he's just a big kid he and he love like he has such a love for Star Trek so it's I love to see people who are so passionate about their, whatever they're doing, doing it because it's infectious. So he was really great. Honestly, so producers and showrunners and directors always have a huge, there is a major trickle down effect. If things are not so with production, everybody feels it and it can be, it can be either really, really good or really, really bad very easily. And I will say on this show, I was really impressed with production with all of the people that I had met and worked with, I thought were doing a really great job. And they were, they cared a lot about their crew, which is really refreshing and not common. So mm -hmm. I, I have to say like kudos to them because they were doing a great job. And, you know, even some, some of them, like the production supervisor, he, if you he heard about a PA being mistreated by somebody, like he addressed that, talked to the PA, like, and usually people don't care about not always, but a lot of times, you know, PA's like, whatever. But he was, he was really, really great about making sure people were taken care of. And, and Terry knew what he wants. Like, he, 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 it was just cool to see him be so passionate. But, you know, it, it is a different director for every episode. So the director, when you're actually on set, totally defines the vibe of what that day or that block or episode feels like. It's definitely different depending on that director's style or what they're wanting. Like if a director is really indecisive and doesn't know what they want, nobody can really do their jobs well because yeah. you have to make them happy. So how do you make, you know, that's kind of a, a really common thing if a director's really indecisive. So, you know, we had a whole slew of different directors. So some of them were like just incredibly delightful and some were more difficult. I gotta say, oh my gosh, though, Riker, the Riker magic is not a character thing. It is just wow. him. Oh. He is just the most delightful, magical human. He, wow. He's really, really, because he directed, I, I think I was under a few different episodes that he directed. I and even, uh, even if he was just on set acting, like he just, he can just lift morale. I just had a lunch with a friend yesterday who was on props on Picard and we hadn't talked since the show. We were both talking about, we're like, 
man, he just like changed our whole experience. He's wow. So delightful. So Such yeah. a delightful human. Yeah. He's very like vocal. Like if you get a shot, he'll be like, heck yeah. Good job, everybody. <laughs> like he's very loud and like he's he's just us just delight. Total delight. Yeah. All that you see on screen is just him being lovely. Yep. <laughs> That's so cool. That's what you hope, you know, and like, that's just wonderful. Yeah. It really, I'm sure makes a huge difference to have someone who's like that. It, re- it truly does. And, and morale can make or break a show, you know, like it, people can be totally miserable and hate their jobs or like, and just, it's crazy. One person coming in, one positive, affirming, uplifting director comes in and like the whole, everything's a joy. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was yeah. delightful. Oh my gosh. Yeah so cool to hear you talk about like especially just your attention to detail and makes sense you know you were doing miniatures and then come to like it's so cool it's <laughs> yeah. clear that you're very like so like lovingly paying attention to all of these details and it's really cool to see and I'm just curious if there was like a favorite piece you did or a favorite like talking about even the floral tray you made like was there something that you really enjoyed working on yeah so oh my gosh so many things that I enjoyed working on uh I actually got to, this isn't common, but I, I got to, because there wasn't, it was just like one of those things that was going to fall under the radar and not actually happen if somebody didn't just do it. I got to design a couple, of, loosely design a couple of things that was so fun for me. I did, I don't know if you've noticed, there's like this crazy bubbler thing in the 10 forward bar. Yes. Um, and at the end of season two, it was more featured. It was like lit up and it was actually bubbling. In season three, it's really loud and obnoxious. So they didn't actually light it up that much in season three. Um, but I, that was my baby. Well, not just mine, but the design of it was. And then the prop shop built it and it just, they did such an incredible job. And that was really, really fun. And that was just a product of Tim Stepnick, the direct, uh, the decorator wanting, he was like, this is like supposed to be a cool, funky alien bar. Can we get some kind of weird, maybe like steampunk or like, I don't know, some sort of thing that makes drinks back there. <laughs> and so we were playing with different things. Actually, it's, it's built out of a lot of, um, there are these uh, decanters that we found. These two found these super cool decanters that also have liquid in them in the back of the circles. And there is like a compartment within a compartment. So you can pour like one colored liquid in the center and another color on the outside. I think we did like blue and green. And and we put also, you know, we do all kinds of little alien writing on it and everything to make it, you know, look like sorry and brandy or whatever it's supposed to be. So we took those same decanters and flipped them on their side and then put light under them and stacked them. And then we had liquid in them, but it was laying the other direction. Mm. So, and then, you know, put all kinds of tubes in them and all sorts of like grill parts and just all sorts of weird, there is a hairbrush. They didn't want to do that, but I really wanted them to put a hairbrush in it, like a round brush <laughs> right. to look like a filter. Uh, yeah, they were, the prop guys were like, are you serious? And I was like, it's so cool. <laughs> so that was one of my favorites. Um, I also got, I'm not, I don't think it turned out as good on my end, but I did the, the like vials that have uh, like Corey's, you know, genome or whatever in it mm-hmm. that, that she goes back and sees those different vials and the different stack things. This is just this. Oh, oh so, so cool. cool. I don't know if you remember those. But um, yeah, I did those, like just the design. The, I didn't build them or anything. I just, and it's, when I say design, I mean like a sketch. Not yeah. Like, still like epic yeah yeah, that was really fun the crazy engine the engineering department when in season three that like 
busts up that has all the little, I mean, I don't know if you would notice this as a viewer, but there's all these little isolinear chips all the way around it. And they do a lot of shots through the center. So the prop shop built that whole crazy thing. So I did, I did a lot of work with them in their laser cutting different things. So all those isolinear chips, actually, I, well, I have them here, but I can show it to you later. Um, but yeah, th those were really, really fun. We tried to recreate data, the yeah. hologram thing with, with Tasha Yard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I showed this to my husband and he was like, you custom made that? He's like, it looks like a pencil case. Why couldn't you just like get that from Hobby Lobby? I was like, come on. <laughs> it has to be specific. It does well, actually though. It looks look exactly like one of those Hobby Lobby terrariums yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, well, I recognize it, it the moment you showed me. So like that's, okay, cool. that's yeah. really important. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, good. So yeah, but recreating this was like incredibly time consuming, um, you know, a lot of that different kind of stuff. But those, those are the, for me, that's the most fun is a specifically detailed specialty piece. That's what I really love. But then, you know, you go walk into the bridge or Picard library and just to like immerse yourself in that world is, is also really satisfying when it all comes together. Yeah, it would be endless, all the things that I really enjoy. Oh, data containment units. What? Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. That, that's the crazy two like things with all the laser cutting and all of the, that, that's at the end of the platform, Adam, oh, I'm starting to forget the names of everything. <laughs> See, this is what happens when you're not a true Trekkie, it goes in yeah, and yeah, it goes yeah. out, but where they find data. The Daystrom yeah, station, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, Daystrom, yes, oh my gosh, thank you. That was super, super cool. And what's a fun tidbit is the stage we shot that on is the same stage that Elios was in. So some of those walls are very similar. We, we utilize some of the same things. And the same one we shot uh, Corey's bedroom and Song's lab in for season two. Wow. So yeah. if you yeah. think about, like they utilize the same build. So that I always find that kind of interesting when, they're, when you're able to take a space and utilize some of the same components, but make it feel like a whole new thing. That's a lot of what we're doing also. So yeah. I thought they did a really good job with that. It seems like it doesn't happen a lot where you're replicating props from the a no, an old show, you know, like you're looking, like you're talking about like, oh, this plate yeah. is so blurry because it's a <laughs> terrible 80s yes. definition. I you could know. not, I tried so hard to find a good image of that thing and I couldn't. Oh, oh another thing I really loved was, I, I don't even know if it made it into the episode. I need to go back and look. But in Jack's quarters on the ship, there was this like blotter thing on his desk that lit up. That was another thing that I got to kind of yes. oh, cool. So cool. It like and we did all this edge lit so all that stuff is acrylic that's etched. And then we light it from the edge and the light shoots through the acrylic and hits all those little um etches and mm -hmm. makes it look like, you know, it's like crazy circuitry or whatever, but it's just hitting the etch etching. So cool. So um, it's, it's fun. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I'm wondering, I feel like I have to ask about the Enterprise D because the that whole bridge I know was recreated from scratch. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I've seen some behind the behind the scenes photos about just like how much detail there is. Like the actors were going on stage and they were looking at like, oh, this is the exact same as I remember, which just uh -huh. seemed, it like blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if there are any videos that anyone took and actually put up because unless it was like, someone with permission, you're not really allowed to be doing right, that. Sure. But I, I did see a video of them like responding the first time they went on set. I don't, is, is that out there? I don't know. If I think I've amazing. seen that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my gosh. It was so cool to see their reaction. It was really, really, really cool. 
Um, yeah, that was wild. That was very cool. The art department did such an amazing job. That wasn't a ton of subjects, but um, our draper though, he our, he has also we have a drapery department that's sort of connected to subjects. And Garrett and his team, um, he had some upholsterers. The detail we go to was bananas. So yeah. like he had, you know, he'll go downtown to the fabric district and shop as many, like all the fabrics. And then he gets all, a whole board of fabrics and they go through and they look as closely as they can to if we can find an old piece to compare it to, think about what the light, how the lighting had affected that, how time it affected it, what would it be the most accurate thing we can possibly create now. And a lot of times that looks like taking that fabric and dyeing it, he does a lot of aging fabrics, all kinds of different things. But I was really impressed with the chairs that they had the, that they had made to get the fabric as close as they did was huge. And everything though, the whole thing, all that crazy carpeting, yeah, <laughs> carpeting on that set. There's a lot of upholstery work. So he did an incredible job. That was a big Garrett win there. But yeah, the art department did just so great. It was, it was a really, really cool set to see. I didn't, I didn't have that much involvement on that set though, mm -hmm. but it was pretty awesome to go stand in. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. So cool. That's amazing. I don't know if they ended up, if it is somewhere, I, they talked about putting it somewhere that people could see like a museum or something. I'm sure it's, I know it's in storage somewhere. I'm sure. But at one point they talked about putting it I at, think like, that's happening I feel like there's something in LA where you can like come and look at the set or like they're planning on doing it that would know. be super cool we did a 10 forward pop-up at one point which was I cool. yeah I was I because I used to live in LA like two years ago two three years ago and I was like how am I not in LA when right. oh, yeah. pop up is happening yeah it's so cool yeah that was really fun that was really really cool so maybe they'll do I don't know probably won't let people like actually sit in it but even sure. just to see it would be cool because yeah the amount of work they went to for sure was really amazing yeah that's so incredible I'm curious have you done other like types of sci-fi work or what's mostly like your types of genres you work on is this like normal for you to be doing like crazy chambers and stuff like that <laughs> um well so in stop motion I, and it's a very it's different it's but it's essentially the same thing to smaller I did all sorts of crazy stuff. I did tons of, yeah, like anything you can think of, like weird cottages, like Disney looking cottages to like, yeah, to spaceships and to crazy alien planets, all sorts of different things. So I, it was fun. I love stop motion in that regard. I got to do such a wide variety of things. It was really, really fun. Um, but as far as like live action, this is the first uh, sci-fi thing that I've worked on but I would definitely say specialty is my thing so sci-fi fantasy is for sure my favorite place to be I I swing a little more fantasy than sci-fi as far as like what I grew up on and what I'm the most inspired by but I, I love sci-fi but I, I I mean I grew up on more Star Wars than Star Trek and I, but my biggest inspirations were Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Those are my like. Yeah, we're big. Oh, yes. Oh yes. yes. So that's more like if I had a thing, that would be my thing, I guess. Absolutely. Billy I noticed Wong. your Harry Potter. I, yeah, I was like, yeah, like, yep, got the Harry Potter books. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Those are all, those are wands. Those are lightsabers. There's more wands up there. We're so ridiculous. Yes. <laughs> We love yes. it. Yeah, that's how we are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yay, nerds. The nerds. Yes. <laughs> but, uh, 
what would be your dream project or what like what kind of things are you working on now what's what's happening for you in the future uh well i just got off of um we did two movies at once called rebel moon which is sci-fi fantasy um zach snyder is doing them so finished those just like beginning of the year and that was a really long project so that's the only thing i've done since Picard because it like went this whole time and right now the city is it's a weird time for us again because the writer strike is about to happen Mm -hmm. so no one is working I mean (laughs) yeah well potentially next week no one will be working we'll see what happens um but there's been kind of trying to starve everybody out so the work has been dwindling like crazy the past couple of months Mm -hmm. so and actually I'm I'm renovating my bathroom so and I've been working on I worked on Picard for like two a year and a half or something and then I worked on Rebel Moon for a year so I was like oh, I'm gonna take some time off <laughs> so I was okay with that. <laughs> this is a good time um, for it <laughs> yeah. yeah so I mean we'll see what work comes up it's you never really know it's just like the people you know asking around hey you got anything and seeing what they have that you can work on but I definitely would love if I could continue to work on more sci-fi fantasy things that would definitely be my choice if I'm able to have a choice but you know you also gotta pay the bills so we'll see what who knows you know what's gonna come up wow this has just been so amazing we I mean as like crazy nerds we talk so much about the details and I love to hear these stories like hearing about Jonathan Franks is just like actually as nice as he seems like he is (laughs) yeah he truly is and that's not always the case there are a lot of you know people out there that you're like oh they seem so personable and then you work with them you're like wow like no (laughs) but he but he I I found it really refreshing too John's break is like just as delightful as he seems so if not more (laughs) it's just wonderful to have you on for yeah I'm so happy we got to connect and you got to be a a part of our Picard special so just thank you so much it's been so much fun Of course. Thank you for having me. It's been great. Yeah, we appreciate it. All right. Well, thank you. Wow. Thank you so much again to Abby Beasley for doing that wonderful interview with us. I hope you all enjoyed as much as we did. Um, It was truly like I was awestruck. I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and we will share the photos of the props that she designed. I'm just able to bring home with her on our social. So Mm -hmm. if you haven't seen those yet, please take a look because it was truly um like very very exciting <laughs> to get to talk to her totally. and see what she's made yeah next um, level. and so now we are going to listen to another voicemail sent in by a listener of the pod so thoughts on picard so i went into this season with low expectations after the first two and i have to say i was pleasantly surprised this should have been season one it was a great send-off for the tng crew great appearances of legacy characters and a ton of fan service which i was totally fine with My biggest complaint is what they did to Captain Shaw. He deserves so much better. You start out hating him, and then as you get to know him, you really start to like and understand him. Fully fleshing out a brand new character is not easy, and they did a great job with Shaw. After all those death fakeouts, I thought he'd make it, but sadly, no. Also, Laris. She deserves so much better, too, but at least she's alive. And I really wish we had Janeway. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you so much. Wow. Okay. So this is an exciting part. This is going to be like the meaty part of the pod. I got to shout out some bitches. Oh my God. You're right. Okay. Not meat. This is just the cheese part. Okay. So, um, I guess since Rihanna did Gerardi, I'm going to take Narek. Yeah. Um, so shout out to Narek for being like the first hot Romulan I've ever seen. He's not that hot, but like, (laughs) 
he's something, you know. Um, that's all really I can say about this character. He's manipulating. He's terrible. He has, like, an incest thing with his sister. But, you know, in the end, at least he, like, smacks that android and kills her, you know. Ooh, <laughs> what a great life. Thanks, Derek. <laughs> <laughs> that was really sincere and, and well thought out. I could tell you really like him. Actually, I spent hours editing that one, so... Yeah. Okay, well, I am blessed to talk about Rafaela of the House Musicer. She, I have been a diehard Rafi fan from day one since her troubled times with her addiction of Snake Leaf. I have been with her since she was telling everyone that the Romulans were the cause of the Mars attacks. I have been with her. We love Rafaela. We love Rafi's glow up. I love the fact that she gets to love Seven unapologetically. I wish the writers had done more with that. <laughs> I wish they'd given her a full arc, and I wish people would stop gathering gaslighting Rafi. I wish they would stop treating her just like an addict and treat her like a person. And I also am so glad that she found people who do. And I'm glad that she found trust in Worf in season three. I'm just so in love with Rafi. I think everything she does is beautiful and perfect. And Michelle Hurd is the name of our mom. It's the name of a most, <laughs> the most powerful women in the universe. So I just love her and I want to support her always. She has always been a supporter of LGBTQ Trekkies as well. And so just shout out to Michelle Hurd and Rafi in general. Yes. Oh, Rihanna. I, oh. I just teared up a couple yeah. times. What an amazing tribute. I love her. She, yeah. she, Rihanna just said that also, guys. <laughs> that was pretty scary. <laughs> um, pretty beautiful. Okay, well, now it's my turn to talk about Christopher Rios. Christopher! <laughs> Christopher. Hi, hi, Nero. I'm Christopher. Christopher. <laughs> um, to talk about Cristobal Rios. <laughs> Man, I love Rios. Uh, he's a character also that really grew on me when he came on in season one. I thought he was just a washed up, annoying Starfleet guy. Whoa. Yeah, I hated him. And then season two, I fell in love with him and I wish that I was staying back in time on Earth to marry him. So uh, a complete 180 on Chris Rios. Um, I, he's amazing, especially to watch on um, like rewatches of Picard, a character that you really, really love. So thank you to everything that you've done. Um, Santiago Cabrera for portraying Chris. Um, I wish I saw you again in season three. I'm going to try to stop saying that um, about every character, yeah, but literally. bless you. Bless you. Yeah. And one thing I also love about Rios is that he, uh, like actually got to speak Spanish in Picard, you know, like they didn't just like make him not do that. And that he, he like is, was reading existential philosophy just like my man. I love him. Also, um, I will say that our good friend Sebastian, when Picard was first coming out, he did say, because he speaks Spanish and Portuguese and said, I've never heard Spanish spoken on a Star Trek show and how much that really meant to him. And Yeah, a lot none of, of that, my, my friends were saying the same thing. And yeah. none of that would be possible without um, without Rios. So, mm -hmm. uh, trailblazer, literally. Truly, yeah. yes. Okay, Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna, go ahead. It's time to, for Elnor. <laughs> I'll give you all a minute. Put a minute on the clock. <laughs> Folks, <laughs> here we go. Okay, so Elnor is my favorite character in Picard, if you all don't know this already, played by Evan Evangora, a very talented actor who is pretty much playing a baby darling Romulan who is the most perfect boy in the universe. He was raised by the frickin' Kuat Malat, like female uh, knights, warrior knights, pretty much Romulan warrior. And uh, he attaches himself to lost causes. So that already shows what a homie he is. He's a ride or die. And he 
literally stays back to go and help Hugh, like, pretty much save everyone in the Borg ship, and then later on in season two, he gets killed off and brought back to life, <laughs> and so I think that that's pretty cool that he's part of the Death Fake Out series, um, but I'm also really sad because I love him and he deserves the world, and in my headcanon, he met a cat, and he now has a cat in his quarters on whatever Starfleet ship he's serving on, and that's just, he's just perfect, and I think that the world is better with Elnor in it. Oh, Rihanna, thank you. I'm so glad you got to talk about the love of your life. Same. Your your son you never had, Elnor. Oh, agreed. Wonderful, thank you. Um, so now I am very pumped. This is the meat. Yes. Um, or the vegetables or the protein, whatever, yeah. of our podcast right now. We are going to be doing a conversation about season one, two, and three. We're going to have some specific questions so we're not roaming around the podcast for you making this a five-hour podcast. But, you know, also we could do that. Yeah. Um, we're going to try not to. Yeah. Okay, so, yeah, as we go on to talking about these seasons, I also just want to reiterate that, like, these are all these are our opinions, and we are so welcoming and accepting of everyone's opinion, you know, like if you had any kind of feelings about Picard, negative or positive or in between, we want to hear them all. And that's why we called for these voicemails and these voice recordings and people sending in their messages of their reactions to Picard. And so we might say some things that you disagree with, and that's fine because that's kind of what I love about these podcasts is like, I, I will listen to some other podcasts and be like, oh, I have a totally different opinion on that. But it does not make your opinion invalid or lesser. And it doesn't make our opinion invalid or lesser. So I'm just really excited to get to talk about all of this stuff. And I know that a lot of things are really highly charged with Picard and it with it with it being such a huge finale. So I just wanted to make this little disclaimer that like, we love you. And we love your opinions, and we hope that you love us and our opinions as well, even if you don't necessarily agree with them. So, Ashlyn, now we are moving on. We're going to start by just doing a summary. And we have done this once before on our podcast when we were on with Clone Star doing a charity event for Ukraine. And we stole it from Harry Potter and the Sacred Text. So it's essentially a 30-second recap. We're going to be starting with Ashlyn. You have 30 seconds on the clock to describe... Card season one, the best you can. Ready, set, go. Uh, Soji activates and feels like she has to call Picard. Uh, and then uh, Picard goes to Starfleet and is like, whoa, the picture of Data is the same. It's the daughter. And then um, so we find out there's a twin and uh, Dodge is, is alive. Soji's alive on the, on the board cube. And then 709 is there. And then Picard leaves the planet with Agnes. And then Agnes kills the guy. And then um, Rios is sad. And they're all a bunch of androids. And then Brent Spiner comes back. And then Picard hey, dies. Hey, oh. Hey. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Okay, that How started off feel? slow, and I had to. Uh, I just there's so much that goes on in this season. I also will say you started with Soji <laughs> instead of Dodge, so it was really strong <laughs> from there. That you saw the truth come out. I didn't remember anyone's names. I was like, she kills the guy. Uh, yeah. So now you all remember what we're talking about. This is season totally, one of Picard. Totally. And Rihanna, I want to thank you for your beautiful um, like warning mm-hmm. because. This show has been so controversial, mm-hmm. um, different than Disco or other New Trek, just simply because people have such love and passion for Picard and TNG in general that 
the expectations are through the roof, and so everyone's been getting disappointed. Which, you know, okay, let's just clap. We all have something in common. We've yeah. all been disappointed by Picard yes. at some point. Um, but also, we've had amazing moments come from Picard. So I think this is going to be really fun. Um, so, Rihanna, um, I'm just going to open the floor up to you. This is our plot discussion yeah. section. So, season one, thoughts about the plot, about the structure. Let's do it. Season one set a very particular tone to Picard as a show, and it did that through the plot because we're entering a world that is... We're a little shaky on Starfleet, and we're a little shaky on uh, relations with Romulans, relations with Starfleet, relations with synths. I mean, synths are completely banned at this point, and yet we're meeting two identical twin synths that are pretty much posing as humans acting. They don't even know that they're human. And so I think that right away, especially because we are faced also with a reclaimed Borg cube, which is slowly starting to uh, de-assimilate and help to bring like their individuality back to these ex-Borg. And so I think that the tone and the, the plot go hand in hand in this season. And I think that it's done really well to show us sort of the darker sides of Starfleet and the dark the darkness that follows a tragedy. And the darkness that follows not only a tragedy of Romulus exploding, but the subsequent evacuation plans and everything that happened before the Star Wars Supernova, as well as then the whole mess that then became of the Mars attacks on Utopia Planitia Shipyard. So I think that the plot really started a strong foundation of setting us in place and setting us in sort of a like mood at the same time. And we got that through characters like Rios reading his existentialism and Rafi struggling with her addiction and struggling with like moving on after losing Starfleet. Picard is struggling with moving on after losing Starfleet. And everyone is sort of in the trenches, you know, and and the plot is really showing that. So I really wanted to applaud that and just also say that like plot is so integral to of course how the show is run and how these characters are making these decisions and why. You know, like, why does Gerardi kill that guy, Sasha says? Bruce Maddox, <laughs> if you're wondering who. Um, it's complicated. You know, she, she saw visions from Commodore O about this crazy coming of these AI, like, dangerous uh, AI. Yeah, I just, I just said planet. that clearly in my plot summary. I don't know yeah, why you have why to explain do I have it. To reiterate? <laughs> yeah. I, I did not forget that sideline at all. <laughs> so, Ashlyn, I'm wondering how you felt about the plot of season one. Okay, wow. Uh, You bring up so many great points. I think that it brought me in immediately because I am a huge fan of those Kelvinverse movies Mm -hmm. and that was Spock's whole thing was he was there to stop Romulus from blowing up and using the red matter and he got caught back in time. So this is a, this is like movie stakes literally for Spock and for Romulus. And so for these amazing circumstances, I mean, you know, amazing as in like awesome, you know, Mm -hmm. um, circumstances to happen uh, and then have Picard be dealing about his fallout is extremely interesting to me and a plot that I want to see more of. And so I loved getting to see these answers. Yes, they're like sometimes not what I expect. And I think also it was very jarring to have the whole overarching theme of Picard be much darker than the next generation, because this is not Picard having fun, um, gallivanting around the galaxy. This is Picard dealing with life and it's hard to watch. What I didn't realize in retrospect, now that I've seen all three seasons is that 
they are setting a baseline for this cast and kind of mirroring our society at a point we're at a dark time right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's appropriate, like even though Roddenberry's vision is about honoring like a positive view of the future, you have to understand it's not easy to do. And so Star Trek and Picard takes a chance to use this in season one. We get a lot of dark moments, a lot of t- like really just wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, crazy scenes. Um, but I think overall, like, especially the inclusion of Seven of Nine is a huge, huge, hugely amazing decision to make yes. to bring her on and to build this world and have the possibility that we will see new friends along the way. I, I think it's a wonderful setup. And I think for the most part, this is one of the most interesting seasons because of how many things are at play. Um, the end, I felt like, lost some steam. Yeah. And... A lot of stuff was annoying to me, but I really, I thought this whole setup of the plot was excellent. Top tier. Yeah, I think that Picard excels in setup and falters a little bit in execution. That's what I'm noticing from all three seasons. And I feel as though the finale is trying so hard to be big and epic and grand every finale for every every single season that... At least for, for me, they felt kind of short or like, oh, that's it? Okay, Soji's just going to stack her Legos and then Picard makes a speech and she's not, she's going to decide to, you know, he, he risks his life for her, essentially. And that's that's so beautiful. And elements of it are so, so gorgeously done. And then other elements, I'm like, yeah, but you didn't answer like five of the questions I had about Soji and what that AI was and what's going to happen to soon now? Does he, is he just dead? Like... All of these things, what what's going on with Picard's golem body? You know, like what we don't is, need what, to know. Yeah, like <laughs> I guess we'll. I mean, it'll be answered. Sort yeah, of. some yeah. things get answered for sure, but I think that this is sort of a trend I'm noticing. So I I am glad you mentioned that Ashlyn about the finale as well. Thank you, Rihanna. Um, so now we're gonna go on to the last portion of season one, which is Hilo grateful. This is something that we actually do with our family at mm-hmm. home and our little sister Gabby growing up. Uh, we'd sit around the table at dinner and ask everybody what is the highest, like best part of your day, worst part of your day, and then the something that you're grateful for. So we, we just get all kinds of <laughs> roller coaster emotions. So Rihanna, um, I think let's start with our highs. I think let's we can choose. Oh, okay. I like great. Start with my lows. Okay, Rihanna, go ahead, start <laughs> with your lows. <laughs> I like ending on a high note. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the lows of season one. Um I think that, like I said, similarly, there was a lack of execution in the finale at Arcadio Ergo Part 1 and 2 or whatever, and a lot of cliches along the way, too. We had a bit of a mix of world-altering stakes, giant, mysterious uh, villain that could be set free, and a quick save from Riker at the end, and a Picard speech, and a death fake out. So much mixed in. And then a data, like a beautiful scene with data, but a lot of it felt like uh, very rushed, you know, and I think that the buildup of this season was so well done that they were having a hard time mashing it in to the finale and they took a little too long with some of these episodes. And so I think that for me, some of my lows just come from pacing and from sort of uh, maybe not 
making the decisions that I wanted them to make, you know, just as a fan. And I also am just going to say that my other low is the killing off of Egypt. I think that that was a terrible decision. Um, I think that it didn't further the plot in the way that the writers thought it would. Because again, there was a lack of follow-up. Yes, Seven killed Jazel. Yes, there's some closure there. But we never get to see her talk about Ichib or talk about that grief of losing him, which is her, pretty much her pseudo-son, who we got to know really well in Voyager. And we didn't. And for the people coming into seeing Picard not knowing Voyager, don't care about Ichib. And that's not the point either, you know? And so I actually find myself be, like thinking about that a lot and how I think that was such a wasted opportunity and, like, I thought at least Hugh's death had meaning and it had this really, like, great send-off, even though, of course, I didn't want him to die either. And I wanted these characters to live happy and I wanted, like, Elnor and Hugh to, like, go start a kick-ass, like, Borg reclamation project together. I still think that it was well done, you know? Wherein Ichib's death just felt hollow and, like, not even admiring the character he was, just making it sort of a, a gory subplot for the beginning of an episode. So that's definitely my low. <laughs> Lowest of lows for those were definitely that. Okay, great. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you that Egypt's death, Hugh's death, very hard to watch, very sad. Definitely lows for me. Also, I thought the characters of Narek and his sister mm. were poorly executed. And I understand you have to throw Romulans into the plot because it's Star Trek and sure. they're the enemy and... It has something to do with this whole, like, them, you know, bombing Mars. It's like Rafi's whole redemption story. But I just feel like there's a better utilization of them than Narek, like, like Narek and Soji's whole thing. I don't know. Um, I just didn't like them. I didn't like this inclusion, and I, I want to skip these scenes every time I see them. Um, also, yeah, yeah, I'm going to just, I'm just leave it. I thought the the use of the Romulans in some cases, like the whole aberration and you, everything going on with the Jad Fosh, amazing plotting. Yeah. But I, yeah, this brother-sister duo made me not happy. Yes, <laughs> agreed. Okay, so Rihanna, so what is a, what is a high for you then for, for Picard season one? Wow. Um, you know, season one, I think was really successful in so many ways. And a part of that is, like we said, the setup of the plot and the pilot uh, in particular, I think it's one of the better Star Trek pilots that we've gotten. And I think that truly the highlights of season one are the moments when we're getting like trust between these characters because it's hard to build and hard earned, you know, Be besides Elnor, like he kind of distrusts everyone implicitly. But for Rafi, for Gerardi, for, for Rios, for Picard, seven everyone's hard to trust each other soji doesn't trust anyone and so to see these this team starting to come together and to see seven kicking ass killing bejazel i know she didn't like she regretted it later but i thought it was badass um there's different parts that were really fun in this season because because we get those sort of payoff moments of having them come together and kick ass and having seven and elnor first meet like that was one of my like very 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 highlights is when seven saves elnor's life and then they just, like, go kick ass together for a bit. Like, that was so cool. Seven, like, strapping herself into the board cube. Like, all of that stuff was really sick. And I thought that they did a great job connecting those characters and having us starting to build more trust. Besides Agnes killing, you know, that that really killed the trust because she also had a tracker in her. <laughs> Agnes is a whole other story. But I think overall that was really satisfying to me. Yeah. Great, Rihanna. Really wonderful yeah. points. 
Um, I'm going to go the obvious route and say Nepenthe was a real high for me. That's an amazing episode where we get to see where the Rikers are. Um, Picard gets a wonderful Jonathan Frakes hug that Yay. just makes me so jealous. Um, he yells about pizza. It's, it's just, it's a wonderful episode. We get to see some real amazing acting from everyone included. And the connection that Kestra makes with Soji is really special. Great episode and a great way to include old characters in your story without making it feel too, um, sh horn, horn shoot in, you know, it, it, yeah, without making it feel too shoehorn, shoehorned in. And then also I'll say that I thought that the very, th this finale, like there's a couple moments that are really strong for me. I love uh, when Picard is about to die and he's on the ship giving a speech to Issa Bironis to, um, to, <laughs> to Soji, telling her to stop building her Lego treehouse. And um, he has just like a wonderful speech that he does like with all the comms open and he knows that his life is on the line. He's about to die. And yet, I mean, we talked about this in our <laughs> death fake out. Like he did not tell Riker. He didn't tell anyone else he was about to die. Um, just amazing acting by Sir Patrick Stewart. And I'm just impressed by the drama they were able to create, even in a show where you feel like Picard's probably not going to die. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Ugh. That's so beautifully said, Ashlyn. Thank um, you. Yeah. Okay, so now let's move on to grateful. Yeah, <laughs> and grateful talk time. About what we're grateful, and for me, I am grateful that the writers put in such a dynamic characters, and that they didn't just start with a TNG reunion. I know that's how it ended, but I think that this was really well done. That we got some Voyager characters like Seven and Egypt briefly, and and then we also got a little bit of a throwback with Hugh uh, from TNG, and. But that was sort of the extent of the familiar faces. And so I was really glad that we got to have Isa Briones, Alison Pill, Michelle Hurd, Santiago Cabrera, even Angora, um, even Orla Bradley, who plays uh, Laris, and Jamie McShane, for, uh, who plays Siobhan. So many wonderful, very dynamic characters who are all coming from a different place. You know, like I said, they're all coming from a darker place, from their, like... Definitely all of them seem to be in the trenches in these different ways, but they're growing with Picard and they're meeting him where he needs them right now, you know, and they're really adhering to sort of what the character Picard needs. And I love that. I think that some of them are tools for the plot to an extent, you know, but I also think that so are all characters in that these characters were written so well and that we get to learn more about them. It's not just a Picard, you know, spotlight. It's not just completely about him doing monologues all the time. He's interacting with these characters, creating his uh, rather motley crew is what he says. And so decidedly motley. So <laughs> I just love that. I love to see Picard in a different space with these people who are challenging him and who are not going to take his bullshit and who call him JL. And I know that's what people didn't like about season one. And that's what I absolutely loved about it. It was so different. It didn't feel like regular TNG. It didn't feel like Star Trek as much. It felt like something new, something fresh. And that's because of the characters and these new ones they brought on. Like, that's just phenomenal to me. And I'm so grateful for all of those actors for leaving it all out there. So I'm really grateful for that. Thank you, Rihanna. Beautiful. Yeah. 
Uh, I am really grateful for Hanela Culpepper, who was the first black director to ever Ooh. direct, female director to direct a Star Trek episode, mm-hmm. um, directed Remembrance, which I think remains one of my favorite ever episodes of Picard. Mm-hmm. Um, very grateful for her. I'm grateful for the amazing cast. Rihanna just read all their names out um, for leaving it all out there. I'm just, I'm yeah. here with Rihanna. We're <laughs> on the same page about this. Um and I am grateful for Patrick Stewart using a rescue pit bull, um, yes. number one in remembrance as well. Um, just to shed light on it's okay. Pit bulls are, <laughs> they're, they're friends. Rihanna said all the sentimental stuff. So I'm just kind of, you know, wrapping <laughs> up everything yeah. else that I am grateful for. I'm grateful that this show was automatically greenlit. And I'm, I'm grateful that they had a vision from the start and at least had some semblance of planning. We'll talk about where that planning goes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, grateful for the show and that they decided to focus their energy on this cast. Um, okay, oh, Rihanna, yeah. season two. Let's do so this. So now it's Woo. your turn to make a fool of yourself or right. to just crush it. Um, okay, we're getting 30 seconds on the clock. And Rihanna, I want you to tell me the plot of Star Trek Picard season two. Opens with Rios as the captain of the Stargazer. Boom, it explodes. Before they die, they get sent to an alternate reality. But it's not an alternate reality. It's actually just like the future if it's horrible. They're all Nazis. Picard is about to shoot the Borg Queen, but they use the Borg Queen to go back in time. Elnor is killed. Then they go back in 2024, L.A. They find Rene Picard, the the person of Picard's past. What's it called? Ancestor. (laughs) And the ancestor has to go into space. And Q is trying to stop them with soon. But guess what? It's foiled by uh, not Laris. And the Watcher, and then boom, beep, back. beep, beep. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about the whole Borg Queen stuff. <laughs> Completely ignored. Completely ignored Gerardi, Borgati <laughs> plotline. Okay, wow, beautiful, Rihanna. And and the whole finale plotline, I just couldn't get to, but thank you. <laughs> <laughs> you, did, you did a great job. Um, okay, that was wonderful. So now I'm going to open up this plot discussion. Whoa, so... <laughs> Uh, this is a much different season than season one, and I think, I don't know if it was based off of feedback, because the reaction to Picard season one was quite negative, mm-hmm. um, and I, I, I'm not sure if, if it, how planned in advance it was, but I think it is a wonderful idea that they go back in time, and especially that they're playing to more familiar Trek tropes that we're used to. They're making the audience more comfortable, rewarding us with all this new trek that we've had to endure for season one. Now we get a little dessert. Um, I think that it deals with issues in a sometimes very insensitive way, um, but it is nonetheless bringing up issues that we are facing in our own society, and so I can't you know, it's like worth mentioning. Um, but there's a lot of really like iffy things that they include in the season, like, um, Rios getting captured by ice. I know was, um, like that can be traumatic for a lot of people to watch that scene. And then as well as the death of Picard's mom is very insensitive in how they portray it. And, uh, so I thought like they're trying so hard to deal with mental health that sometimes they are not showing it dealt with in the best way. Um, but nonetheless, I appreciate this attempt and I can still feel the emotions that Picard is going through and I can, it's clear to me what, who he is as a character. So I 
I really do enjoy watching season two, and I think also bringing Q back makes it feel even more familiar. Um, to me, this is a strong season, and I I think because of the nostalgia aspect and how we have different characters paired off doing their own thing, which is something I love about like Voyage Home. Totally. You know, all these away mission ep- episodes uh, are are wonderful. So uh, yeah, I have. I'm feeling much better about season two than the first time I watched it when I saw season one. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Ashlyn. I think the plot for me has so much potential. And I think that they were trying to do a lot. And that's another thing about the writers of Picard is damn if they aren't ambitious. You know, like that is definitely one word I would use. I think that sometimes too ambitious, realizing that if you're going to make a show with these many characters trying to be main characters and then all give them different side stories and plot lines, you can't make episodes 38 minutes long. You can't make episodes even 40 minutes long. You have to make them the 45. You have to make, you have to go your full time. Lower Decks goes their full time. (laughs) You don't have to put your etchers down yet. Like you have more time to be able to make this a more complete story. And so I think that the plot really suffers because of that. And what's funny, though, is that I think it's still a fantastic plot. And I think that, like, especially after hearing from Abby and hearing that so much of it changed due to COVID, and we know that that's the reason that Elnor wasn't even on as a character, was because even Imagora, like, could not be there because of COVID. (laughs) So, like, they literally could not film Elnor scenes. And so I think that like many things in this life, COVID robbed us of something really beautiful and something maybe more complete and like flushed out. And so I recognize that, you know, as a plot issue. And I think that really though, as much as I sound like I'm complaining about the plot, I think that the rest of it, the idea of it, the 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 time travel, the fact that they had to like make sure Rene Picard was sent up to the moon so that they could find this like stuff that healed the planet from global warming. Like it's all really interesting and it's helping us put together the sort of missing gaps of like pre-Starfleet, more our era um, stuff. While Ashlyn, like Ashlyn said, dealing with those era specific issues, this is literally set in 2024. So clearly we're coming right up on it, especially now here in 2023. So um, just in case you guys are listening to this in the future in 2024, hello. Um, I hope how's it, how's it going? the bell riots. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hope Renee Picard is in space currently. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah, I think that the plot definitely suffered by bringing in the soon and Q, oh, that, like, whole subplot, because uh, the Q subplot was an integral for Picard's therapy, but he didn't need to be involved with Sue. There didn't need to be a whole soon core thing. I think that Issa Brionis' talents could have been used elsewhere. Um, and still had her be, you know, like the weird little doubles they were doing for season two. I think that they were so creative and clever. Like, I think that a lot of what the plot did was, again, trying new things and trying to be not as stereotypically Star Trek, but while, like Ashlyn said, still giving us the tropes we love. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I definitely have mixed feelings about the plot because I know that there's like there was more juice probably than what we got um, just due to COVID stuff. So overall, though, like it's really interesting to see how this plot is sort of a backdrop of Picard's therapy, you know, and how that that really is what going back in time and doing the whole Chateau thing 
um, helped him uncover. So that was, I thought was actually kind of really interesting, even though on paper it reads weird. It's like, oh, Q sending them back in time so Picard can finally work out his daddy issues and his mommy issues. Like, okay, I guess, but it kind of works. It's beautiful. So yeah, kudos to the writers for, for some of it, you know, just like clean that up a little before <laughs> you, uh, you start, you start saying you're done. <laughs> great, 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 Rihanna. Um, all right, well, it's time to go yeah. on a high low grateful. And I think Ashlyn should lead and choose which one you would like to start with. Um, I am gonna start with our highs. I'll, some of this I already said, but bringing back Q was something awesome. I, one of my favorite moments of the whole show is the Q Picard hug at the end of the finale where we finally get some closure. We learn that Q is dying and Picard understand what's going on. Uh, I have always shipped Picard and Q. And so to me, this felt like as ambiguous as Beverly and Picard. Um, <laughs> yeah. The writers gave her gave us another like ambiguously gay something. <laughs> but I loved it, whatever it was. I also I love the Rio storyline. Absolutely love it. And knowing what they are about to do with season three and how they had to wrap up a bunch of these characters and give them a give them closure. I thought that Rios's was the easiest one for me to swallow. As much as I wanted to see him go on to Captain the Stargazer for longer, his relationship with Teresa is wonderful. And I actually, I love, I love the scenes. I love, I just, I love him. I think that that wrap up is wonderful. Loves also seeing the Rafi seven scenes as well. They're, you know, frustrating because I want a relationship to blossom in these like couple hours that we see that they're together. But they do have this wonderful chemistry and they play off each other even when they're like kind of fighting, like having this kind of bickering going on back and forth. And they're really funny together as well. I love the scene where Seven's driving the car. <laughs> I think the inclusion also of the Picard Chateau and using it for the season was really impactful for me because we got to see everything that's going on like in that glass room and having Picard like running around underneath in the basement was really like gave a really good horror element to it as well. Just great use of the space that they had. Um, and I love seeing it in LA. So a lot of highs. <laughs> Go yes. ahead, Rihanna. Great, Ashlyn. You brought up some really good points. Some really high points for me. What we're definitely getting to see Rafi and seven kiss on screen. That was something we've been waiting for all season. They were hinting heavily towards for a while. I thought they were going to queer bait us. I was very scared. And so that was very amazing to have that moment. And I also just love time travel. And I think that they did it so well, particularly depicting this era. You know, sometimes we call Star Trek sort of a like Oracle almost to the future. Like, the Bell Riots, we are pretty on track, unfortunately. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that they brought up in, in this season about homelessness and about um, sort of like the future and how we are on a path towards destruction. And we saw it, you know, like Hugh says, you know, we are, you saw the pretty much you're just keeping this, uh, this planet on life support kind of thing in that horrid like half future they have and so I think some of my other parts of the season that I really enjoyed were because like sort of spawning from this 
um, alternate reality where Rene Picard did not go up into space and everyone's fascist and like all of this (laughs) stuff is awful. I really enjoyed the fact that Seven of Nine was more unburdened this season. And since I'm such a huge Seven fan, getting to see her get to be President Hansen, like get to be kind of this badass in the in the alternate reality and then just like kick ass in back in time you know she's charming people she's driving cars she's just like really doing it all and I love to see it happen I love to see Seven get more range than she ever was allowed in Voyager um so all of that those were really really important to me you know and I think the storyline too of Renee Picard was successful like I thought that it was done so well I actually like wept during the scene when um talon switched places oh yes with her amazing scene yeah it moved me Mm -hmm. so so much i always cry watching that yeah and i think actually the finale for season two is really good and i i know a lot of people have different opinions about that but i think it's pretty well done a lot of things are definitely fast you know everything happens real speedy um, oh, and of course, Guinan. She's the other person I wanted to have mention. Have we not said Guinan? Yeah, have yeah. we not said her name yet? The the bringing back of Guinan was another hugely high point. I mean, like, Ito uh, Agathari, Agathare. I'm sorry, I can't pronounce her last name, but she did an incredible job as Guinan. And we are also getting to see a different version of Guinan. So I love the exploration of characters in this season. I thought that they were really thoughtful in a lot of different areas. Wonderful, Rihanna. Yeah, Um, thank you. Okay, well, for my lows, we've talked about some of them already. Dealing so poorly with, like, some of these really sensitive issues, I feel like was kind of an oversight. Um, And then kind of picking up on what Rihanna was talking about earlier, there's too many plots going on for them to handle. And I think it really suffers from not having these loose ends tied up and not having... (laughs) <laughs> a lot of this, these character choices make sense. I have to piggyback off of Rihanna's high, you know, with the kiss with um, Seven and Rafi. It's also a low because I just wanted more. And I didn't think Star Trek was afraid to, like, make gay couples canon, you know, because we now have Hugh and Stamets on Discovery. Like, we have a, like, married couple. Mm-hmm. Like, there are many gay characters in Star Trek that are out and married and <laughs> dating. So, I, I, just make them gay, you cowards. Like, it's it's the whole thing we're always crying about. Yeah. Um. So, that yeah, that was definitely a low for me. And then, yes, Brent Spiner. <laughs> so... <laughs> in general. I just, I have to say, I've always felt this way, like... Brent Spiner is only coming back to Star Trek if he has a prominent role. And so now we look back. We think, okay, there have been three seasons of Picard. You know who's like the dark horse who's actually been in every single season with an extended role is Brent Spiner. Mm -hmm. And every movie, TNG movie, he gets this long plot just to him. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and I know that's in his contract because we've seen it for years. Mm -hmm. Like, and okay, writers, it's kind of like Spock, you know, like maybe we should include Data. But I just feel like of all of the TNG characters that should be in Picard, Data does not come to my mind immediately. So my low is just that Brent Spiner has a weird role in this but also I love seeing him play villains so like to his credit he's a great actor (laughs) (laughs) but I'm annoyed at him and I also wish that he would have been assimilated by all those freaking all those fucking (laughs) boars that were like under his control that would have been epic um 
yeah, so he's just a low for me in general. <laughs> Go ahead, Rihanna. Okay, so um, my lows pretty much stem from, like, character erasure. I think that, Ashlyn, you talked a bit about the send-off of Rios and how they're trying to pack up all of these characters really quickly. I didn't like any of it. I thought that it's such a bizarre concept to make two seasons of characters you're following, you're starting to love, you're starting to connect with, and then completely change the cast for the final season of a show. Have you heard of other shows doing this a lot? Like, maybe The West Wing? Like, spoilers, they kind of do that. Um, and that's, I think, because... Scrubs. Scrubs. <laughs> I think that's because the show went on too long. I mean, The West Wing ran, like, six seasons before their seventh or whatever, you know? And it's not like TNG went a full cast and then seven, seventh season did something weird. And so... It was really jarring to me and it really made me sad because it made it feel like, okay, we got, those characters were only necessary so far as they help Picard get him to a place where he's ready to interact with the TNG cast again. And I think that's so unfair to their characters. I think that using them as a plot device, like I said earlier is extremely even more true for this season and it proved that that's what they were to to the writers and so the fact that Elnor didn't get a huge part in this season because of COVID and because of all those other things made it even more devastating to find out he wasn't coming back for season three because there's so many ways they could have made it happen and there's a lot of ways that these characters could have come back and interacted with the TNG cast and I know that they're worried about already having way too many characters, but you already do. Like, you, that's always been a problem in Star Trek, is a huge cast. And so why not combine something and make it more beautiful rather than sweeping characters away because they don't really fit your vibe? And so that was just made me so frustrated. And I it, it took me a long time to come at, like, a more peaceful place with it. Now I'm at kind of at peace with it and just, like, sad that it happened rather than angry. Um... But I think, too, we, like, we have to, you know, I mean, we have to acknowledge the fact that they killed off the entire character of Javon so that they could give Picard a love interest. That's disgusting if you think about it. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but that's horrible. That's horrible to do to Laris, first of all. Her husband died, and apparently a year later she's over it and smooching on Picard. And two, or maybe it was more than a year, but I don't think so, um, if my memory serves. And so I think that that made me super uncomfortable because yet again, we're utilizing women as love interests, as every media does. And, as you know, it, it, it's same old story. And I just don't like that Star Trek is falling into that trope of women need to be love interests. Let's kill off their husbands and get them with Picard. Like, Laris deserves better, and we're going to be talking about this in season three, too. So just, you know, hang in there. But, um, yeah, I know that, like, TNG, it just feels like to me, I know this is blasphemous because we're about to talk about the season three, but, like, you made a series about Picard then include TNG cast sooner. Like, give them more of a prominent role than just maybe Riker visit or something. Pepper them in more so that I'm ready for them by season three and don't just, like, completely recast, give an entire new cast kill off or make them Borg or, you know, like, send them back in time, whatever you want to do to them. You know, it seems just like 
such a quick wrap up for such these characters that I was falling in love with. And so it actually made me look forward, look forward to season three less. I hate to say it, but it left a, a bitter taste in my mouth. And so that's definitely my biggest complaint with season two. And you, Ashlyn, exactly iterated my thoughts on Seven and Rafi as well. The fact that Seven said, let it breathe after they kissed and Rafi asked, what is this? That's also a shame because they could have defined the relationship and given women loving women people and lesbians and bi people and everyone who like relates to being in love with other women identifying people like that chance to see themselves on screen and to see that it's like you can survive the like kill the gay trope you know and and they did survive it they're alive but we don't know what their status is their relationship status and that's extremely extremely frustrating for a lesbian such as myself so um yeah some complaints for sure <laughs> just a little bit but Ashlyn let's move on to gratitude now <laughs> well I yeah I want to respond but I'm going to save it all for season three because you yeah. nicely segued for us mm-hmm. um I yeah I wasn't going to bring any of that up yet so I'm glad you um <laughs> glad you included it because yeah. it's very important um okay we're, we will move on to grateful so I am grateful for the guest stars they did sprinkle throughout it wasn't like main tng plot but we do get to see q very grateful for john delancey very grateful for whoopi goldberg for appearing in this uh grateful for the creation of 10 forward just as a um (laughs) real bar and a holodeck program later on (laughs) Um, and i am grateful that finally we get an answer to why is Picard British like why is his accent (laughs) British but he is like he makes wine in France like thank god they thought about that and they have like a really detailed answer about why (laughs) this was basically a whole season answering Picard's background and and that is another thing I'm grateful for I have been waiting to understand this man more and we spent season one watching him wake up and say, okay, I'm ready to live again. I'm ready to get over this. And now we're finding out what he's getting over. So as a step for Picard show, Rihanna, you're talking about how um, all these characters are tools for Picard. I have to agree with you. And the the issue is whether you think it's a good or bad thing. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm very much with you that I, I have come to love these characters in season two but I am also grateful for them that they helped Picard to um, work through his bullshit. And I am also grateful that they set it in 2024 because I think it's really cool whenever they do time travel episodes, time travel movies. Or some of my, some of my, it's my favorite thing. Like time travel is amazing. <laughs> and also the like future Nazi universe we got to see. I just love, I'm such a, I'm such a hoe for... <laughs> For these types of things. So season two is right up my alley. Um, and I, okay, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let it go. So I'm, I'm, yes, I'm very grateful for those things. Rihanna, what about you? Um, I'm just going to reiterate Guinan. I'm just so grateful for Ito. I'm so grateful for Whoopi. I am also, oh man, just got punched in the stomach thinking about this, but I'm so grateful for Annie Worshing and oh, like that, so, oh. so missing her. And it was so tragic to hear about her passing. Um, and just so grateful that I got to see her at Mission Chicago, got to see like an entire Picard panel. Um, and I think that it's these characters, you know, that like 
are sort of reviving these classic incredible characters how do you revive Guinan and do it well like Ito did it well how do you revive the Borg Queen Annie does it fucking spectacularly Annie's like the scariest Borg Queen in some ways like because she's she gets personal she gets in your head and so does Jurati gets in her her head I'm so grateful for those scenes I thought they were really fun as much as I don't like Jurati and thought like some of this Borg plot was a little messy those scenes where it's kind of a battle of wits between the two of them is just phenomenal. And I'm also grateful for all of the women. I think the women outnumber the men in Picard. Yeah. And so that yeah. has always been something that um, I was just immensely, like, just elated to see. Because it's so rare in Star Trek for that to happen, at least in older Trek. And so new Trek is really starting to get more women on the bridge, women on the screen, all of that kind of stuff. So thank you, season two, for, you know, really just... It's hard to make a second season of a show in general. Like, you you really, you know, there's so much that goes into, like, how do you further the plot? How do you continue on something you've built? And I think they did really well. Beautifully said, Rihanna. Thank you. <laughs> okay, it is now time for season three. Wow. <laughs> oh, my gosh, we made it. So, Rihanna. Um, Ashlyn, it's your turn. Will you time me? Absolutely. <laughs> Okay, Ashlyn, give us your season three summary. 30 seconds on the clock. Begin. Okay, uh, Riker and Picard get, or Picard gets his dress signal from Beverly. He calls Riker. They go to the Titan. They sleep in bunk beds. <laughs> and then Shaw's annoying. Seven's there. The Titan's there. Um, Picard is the sun and Bev's there. And then here comes, uh, like everyone else, the whole TG crew. Woo! And then, um, and then, uh, wow. <laughs> beep, beep, beep. <laughs> I completely then, wow. exploded because I tried for one second to think about how do I explain all of this in five seconds and it's impossible. Okay, let me try to salvage this. So basically, or Rihanna, do you want to pick up the plot points? Sure, sure. I, I could not okay, finish. Give me I'm going I'm to give you yeah. 30 more seconds okay. and go ahead and finish it. Ready? Go. Okay, so Jack Crusher is actually a Borg. His name's Vox. Um, he is the voice for the Borg because uh, I guess Picard has a little like Borg sperm from Lacutus. And so turns out uh, it's a whole Borg plot. The changelings are there. The changelings are working for the Borg. They're trying to destroy the Federation from Frontier Day. Frontier Day, they're going to kill everyone using changeling infiltration and a Borg infiltration. But it's stopped by Picard and company and Vox is so hot, Borg. And um, <laughs> and then they all live happily ever after. They play poker. And uh, there's an Epo baby named Jack Crusher on the bridge. Wow. And Seven's captain! <laughs> <laughs> so, Ooh. okay, so whose was better? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> you let us know. Uh, Ashlyn's inclusion of the bug beds and of... Um, what was it? Um, uh, Shaw being irritating <laughs> was really important, I think. So I think Ashlyn should take that one. I just... I have a hard time focusing on the big picture. I'm yeah. very much a details girl. Like, oh, bug beds! <laughs> and I'm like, by the way, there's Borg in this season. <laughs> there's Borg in this child. <laughs> there's Borg and changelings that Ashlyn did not mention. So. <laughs> okay, oh, so yeah. I think now, um, Rihanna, it's your turn to start with your plot. Okay, Whoa. take a deep breath. What are your plot thoughts? Let's okay. go. Well, I mean, it tells you that it took us a whole minute to describe this plot. This plot's crazy. Um, yeah, it's it's really insane. I think, that, yet again, it falls into the trap of doing trying to do too much. There's too many red herrings, I think. Um, 
I am a little bit annoyed by sh- by showrunner Terry Metalis for like literally tweeting like it's so obvious guys like you should just figure out who the main villain is I'm like well sorry you made me feel dumb like I like missed it and then of course I go back and watch and I'm like oh yeah it was very clearly the Borg from like day one they were telling us but I, I literally thought at one point no that would be too obvious like I was like they just did the Borg in season one and we had this whole reclamation thing and then Borgati in season two is apparently there's an alliance going on and so I know that this is set five years later and so that helps me a little to like create a right five years bro it's a long time it's a long, I it's feel a like long it's while. like 10 years or something oh well, I mean Picard would be like 180 <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's a good gap. Like yeah, these, these are just vignettes in Picard's life these yeah. seasons. Yeah, which which is actually that. Now you say it like that, like that is a really cool way of looking at it. You know, because that's how I get you through get every day. <laughs> Otherwise, okay, go no, ahead. No, I love these interruptions; they're so important. Um, yeah, so I think that definitely the plot suffers from trying to do too much and it's all like really cool stuff you know like they're pulling out a lot of really awesome stuff with the changelings and the dominion it just feels like they're building on it building on it and then there's no like satisfying sort of conclusion or even sort of like I just wish the changelings were more than just a tool for the Borg I wish there was some sort of other alliance going on or like I don't know I just Again, like, I'm obviously not a writer, a show writer. I am a writer, but not a show writer. And I don't know how I would have written that better, you know? So I, I credit where credit's due, obviously. Like, the plot is really difficult to mix all these characters in, try to make it interesting, and try to give us, like, the most epic finale you've ever seen. Like, this is huge stakes, and Terry is a huge TNG fan. And so I think that the plot is a little too complicated, and the solution a little too fast you know what I mean so there's just a bit of an imbalance there um yeah and and I think the other thing I will say about the plot in general is that it definitely felt like a a diehard TNG fan writing some fan fiction but like great fan fiction (laughs) like I'm definitely glad it was it was made into a show and it's definitely one of the better TNG movies you know like that the episodes 9 and 10 are so are very very good and so I just yeah I do want to say that though like it's definitely very much a TNG like superstar like movie almost you know yes thank you Rihanna yeah what how do you feel about the plot Ashlyn overall of season three oh man okay so I will say Rihanna talked a little bit about this and social media and the (laughs) the climate that we're in and just just the like the nature of fandom is a really can be a really special thing and i have to like i have to say that as podcasters Rihanna and i like at least i can't speak for Rihanna like i feel like i have to be up to date about every single thing that's going on to be able to talk to anyone in the trek fandom and to just be up to date on everything that's happening and so I like <laughs> there's so many tweets where you know Terry's like responding like oh this is not happening this is happening I was like dude just like just stop <laughs> confirming or denying our theories because we're having fun mm-hmm. you know um but I totally agree with you what you said Rian about it being an amazing plot and a, like amazing stakes um a- amazing fan fiction yeah truly so Rihanna briefly touched on this but 
this is the best TNG movie, and I think this is the type of perspective I want to see going into a season because like it's an amazing or it's a really like interesting arc that all these characters are on and I mean every character has an arc for the most part which is pretty impressive uh, because there are so many characters and I also think that Terry does a good job honoring what has come before with TNG it's like the ultimate um, (laughs) like fangasm a truly on every level and I think I can sum up this entire plot by just talking about the best of both worlds part one and two because part one has the most amazing fantastic writing where it's movie stakes it's world ending stakes Picard is Lacutus and he's about to like destroy the fucking fleet yeah um this was especially season, especially episode 9 and 10 mm-hmm. for me, but I think as a season, um, the stakes are so high, they do such a great job, and then you get to the finale, and it left me feeling a little lacking, because it happened really fast, and I was much more bothered by it in this finale than I was for season 2, interestingly enough. Um, so, just... <laughs> Plot-wise, and then I also have to now respond to everything that you brought up in season two. So we we lost a lot of characters, and I think I am a little, like, I just, I feel punished for loving these characters that we got to know in season one and two, because, and, and this comes from a little bias, because I choose to find the like the love in and the intention behind all of this star trek and yeah some of it's like you know not well thought out but for the most part i love everything that star trek produces that you can judge me however you want but there's good and bad in everything that's coming out right now and i have found that love with elnor and with rios and rafi and so i'm i'm happy rafi's back but i feel extra sad when we are watching season three and there is a very very natural place where these characters could be fitting in with minimal lines Mm -hmm. i mean have agnes at daystrom no agnes is a borg i know she's a borg but but i'm saying go to daystrom even but i'm saying like even like they didn't have to make agnes a borg they just had to get rid of her so like instead of doing that have her and soji be working at daystrom and have them be changelings even like are you kidding me it's I I just thought it was I I know they're dealing with a lot like we yeah. just heard from Abby there's a lot going on there's a you know but I, I just can't help but feel completely cheated that these characters get n- like no mention of <laughs> yeah so that that's a real bummer to me that's a that's um something I had a really hard time with so thank you for bringing it up Rihanna um, but I do think that. This whole season is nostalgia, but is it is nostalgia done very well, which is rare. And mm-hmm. we are living in an era of <laughs> repeating everything. Like, literally, there's sequels, prequels. <laughs> like, we're obsessed now as a society in mm-hmm. our television and our movies and our, our cultures that we've built over, this, um, over these stories. Mm-hmm. So now it's a competition to see, like, who, who can even go deeper. And I think Star Trek comes out on top. So yeah. um, I think now, Rihanna, go ahead and choose. Would you like to do a high, low, or a grateful to start? 
I think let's start with our lows, you know. Okay. Let's yeah. jump jump mm-hmm. into them. Um, Ashlyn, really quick before we do go in, though, I just want to acknowledge what you said. I think that it's also beautifully said. And, like, I also do want to say that I said it was one of my favorite TNG movies, but First Contact will always come out on top. Like, <laughs> no, it's still no, nothing not compares. For me. This is better than First really? Contact. Okay, yeah. fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I mean, yeah. it, they also had more time. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway. So let's talk about the lows of Season 3. So first, I just, of course, want to say that seeing all of these TNG characters again is so fun and so amazing. I, one of my lows is that I really think Riker was a little bit out of character uh, when we started out the season. Maybe not the first couple episodes, the first like bunk beds parts. I thought he was doing (laughs) great. I thought he was like full Riker, like just full blazing, you know, but then with all of his overprotectiveness of Jack and the relationship that it could be with Picard, it felt very much like they're trying to create something deep for Riker. And I just didn't quite feel like it was Riker. And maybe that's the point. He's going through this. He's finally grieving his son. And I'm I'm really trying to come from a place of understanding. But like, it was so bad that I thought he was a changeling. Like I thought that it was like there was, he was an imposter that someone, something was going on with Riker rather than just like having you know, like a a trauma he's working through. And so I was really gratified, you know, to then to see why, like the explanation. Um, But I I just will say another low is just that Riker was needling Worf the entire time. And it actually started to piss me off a little bit um, because we literally had that discussion in our movie series about how Riker is pretty judgy of Worf. um, And, you know, he does the whole pimple bit like overboard in the entire movie in in insurrection. And, and he removes the plank from yeah. Worf's promotion. Like yes. bro. <laughs> a lot of stuff that are just seem like like he's sliding Worf a little. Um it felt like he was really judging Worf for his like journey of self-discovery. And I think that's just because Riker hasn't done the emotional work himself and he he is doing it this season, you know, so he's actively doing it, but just not at that point because Troy needs to do a little a little uh chat with him first in their cell and so that leads me to my second thing that I was a low was that Troy was barely in this that is just we were robbed of some amazing Troy moments she could have been in earlier on maybe even come with Will to like help Picard you know I mean obviously they needed their funny bunk bed scene like it was nice to have some (laughs) friendship moments but I think that the way they did Troy was pretty dirty, especially because Troy was done so dirty in TNG that, like, that's not the part, the nostalgia I wanted <laughs> was Troy getting bad, like, one-liners. Or I think that, obviously, she was way well, way more well-written. Like, obviously, she was written like a woman and not like what men think women are in the 80s. But she was still written as sort of the nagging, like, in that flashback, she was written as sort of the nagging wife why are you out drinking? I haven't slept in 36 hours. Um, Riker kind of laughs at her and Picard kind of laughs at her. And I just think like those kind of scenes really rub me the wrong way because it's Star Trek and we should be beyond that. (laughs) Beyond that bros go out for a drink while the wife's at home with the newborn like kind of vibe that that, that was giving with Troy. And it was still, and then she goes and leaves Kestra where? We don't know. So there's a lot of like, plot stuff they dropped, family stuff they dropped that I that I had issues with and were also my lows of just like, where's Alexander? 
where is he? No one talked about him. And granted, they barely talked about him in Deep Space Nine. So <laughs> it was hard to get Worf to like Alexander even in Deep Space Nine enough to have episodes with him. But they did. And they made that effort. And I think that a TNG reunion suffered without characters like Wesley, like Alexander, like Kestra, the kids, the next generation of the next generation cast. We had Jack Crusher, a whole new kid, but we didn't get to see our Wesley, you know? And I think that if you're going to bring back characters like Roe and have all these throwbacks to Shelby and stuff, your low-hanging fruit is right there, you know? And it seems like a lot of missed opportunities there or a lot of just mismanagement of characters' time. Um... And, you know, so I, I think that my one last thing I will say um, that just made it tough sometimes for me is that, like, I am I am not a TNG diehard super fan. And so it sometimes felt like the show was a little more catering to that. And again, I am a literal Star Trek huge ass nerd. Like, of course, <laughs> I love TNG. I've seen every episode. I've seen so many of them multiple times. I'm not at all saying that I like don't like TNG or anything. It's just not my show. So therefore, I had a little bit more of a hard time. Like, obviously, I connected more to the Dominion parts and more of the Deep Space Nine because that's more my alley. But even so, like, it just felt so much like we must give you only TNG that I'm like, but the elements of the Dominion and the elements of Seven and... Um, Tuvok, how there was like actually cut scenes where they talked for a lot longer, you know, and like they just cut a bunch of stuff, um, probably for time. But again, it's a long finale. You could make it ninety minutes. Make so, it ninety minutes. Come on, you cowards! Um, <laughs> Release yeah. the uncut finale. <laughs> Literally, we want to see it. Yeah. So we want to see those missing moments of maybe some more Rafi Seven exploration. We we're missing a lot of wrap up. We don't, we're still a lot of unanswered questions that there shouldn't be in a show finale. You know what I mean? Like, oh, Card and Bev, are they together? Question mark. Uh, Seven and Rafi, are they together? Question mark. Um, you know, who's Jordy's partner? Question mark. Uh, <laughs> what was Worf's journey? Like, Worf got pretty shafted this season. They all got amazing, like, singular moments. But a lot of the coming together felt like, ooh, so close for me. It didn't quite hit the mark as much as I know it hit for other people. And so thank you for listening to my rant. I'm sorry if I disappointed you, but that's what we're here to do is talk about our opinions. And Ashlyn, I'm so curious to hear about the lows of season three for you. Yes, uh, Rhian and I are definitely different because TNG is my lifeblood. <laughs> yes. Um, like, literally, I have a sticker on my water bottle that Rihanna made me um, where she says, your heart's beating really fast. And this is a direct quote. I said, because I was thinking about Picard. Like, <laughs> yeah. and this this was just the TNG era. Like, I, my heart beats fast when I think about Picard. Totally, yeah. Um, I'm his lady. So the lows of this season, a lot of them you already said. Um, and I know that maybe from an outsider's perspective, if you disagree with us, some of these things that Rihanna is saying and I'm agreeing with her on are maybe maybe seem petty, you know, like why are we upset that we don't know who Jordy's like partner is? Sure. You know why we're upset? It's because all good things is one of the best finales of all time. Yep, I yep, will yep. say it, um someone on Trexpert said it last night yeah. too. Like all good things is so fantastic and this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to make all good things but the reality. So, like, this is an amazing opportunity you have. So 
when some of these questions aren't answered, my inner nerd just yes. like <laughs> cringes. Like mm-hmm. I just I want to know. Like <laughs> I I just I just want to know. Yeah. You know, like where do our characters end up? We haven't seen them for twenty years. Um, so that so that's why. <laughs> and also because they're they're spending so much attention to detail on the background Easter eggs, which is like what we talked about with Abby. And so the fact that that much love and care and attention is being drawn to, but yet that same respect is not being had for our main characters confuses me. And it is a problem with the series. Um, uh, I talked about a low, you know, I'm very sad to not have um, some people back from seasons one and two. And I'll also say, Jack, the Nepo baby (laughs) issue is kind of a low for me (laughs) because I, the captain's assistant thing. (laughs) Counselor, captain's caregiver, like what is this? (laughs) Like what, what's going on? Yeah. So that, I, like, I, that was very mind-blowing to me. That was a low. That kind of betrayed everything I believed in in Starlight. Um, and then also the um, the Data Troy scene at the finale. Oh, yeah, that's just that enough a of a load for me to bring up that it was, like, a kind of terrible part of the finale for me. A wasted five minutes. I know. <laughs> like, t- please show me something else rather than this therapy appointment with Data where even Troy is so bored she's not even listening. Yeah. It makes yeah. me bored when she's on her phone during therapy. So. Exactly. Um, and then... Um, I'm going to say the, the payoff wasn't enough for me with the whole, like having an episode named the Dominion and then Mm -hmm. having the changelings being such an important part. I was expecting, um, like maybe a Dominion callback. Maybe we see a Jemadar, you know, like, yeah, a Breen. Yeah. It just seems like for such a important setup they they didn't like follow through with the ds9 references i know also it's a picard show but i I just think if you're building for a legacy show if you're trying to truly expand this timeline you would pay more like respect (laughs) to the shows that have come before yeah um so so, yeah a lot of my issues are um maybe incidental but um they were issues nonetheless and now I think I'm ready to hear about your highs, Rihanna. I'm so excited. Because I'm ready to talk, to talk about my highs. About, yes. Yeah. Okay. So first couple things I want to mention is that Beverly Crusher in general was a high for me. But the fact that she leads this show, the fact that it's her popping up first is just so phenomenal. It It's giving Remember Me. Like it's, it's actually giving her her main character moment that we don't really get to have any of Bev get those moments except for singular episodes, you know, that feature her. And it doesn't have anything to do with a love or, you know, it, it just has something to do with saving her son and, like, being a badass, helping these worlds who aren't helped by the Federation. Um, setting up the story through Bev's eyes I thought was phenomenal because again it's giving a woman's perspective it's giving a mother's perspective and an older woman's perspective like I think that the representation they had for like 
older people in this show is really good. Even the representation for the young kids and how they're all getting assimilated. Like, that was <laughs> hilarious. And also tragic to find out that I would have definitely been assimilated Gen by the board. Gen assimilated. <laughs> and I'm about to turn 25. Like, my birthday's in July. And so I would have been so close to, like, Brain's being not same. formed. Not there yet. <laughs> I'm also the same age as uh, Jack Crusher, which is really terrifying. Right. Like, that, that, that's the worst news I've received. <laughs> because he's doing so much more with his life. <laughs> but also he's going through it like we all are in our 20s <laughs> just worse um, for him so anyway I digress but Bev huge huge fucking highlight for me um I also think that in general the character dynamic between Worf and Rafi sometimes was like my favorite part of the entire show like and I'm not exaggerating there was moments where I'm watching Worf and Rafi interact and I'm like have they worked on other projects together? Like, have these two known each other their whole lives? Because they act like it. Like, they are such good actors, the two of them. They have such great characters to combine that I think that the, those scenes did so well to sort of build a side plot because there was a lot of moments where we're in the Titan with a lot of, like, space action. And so it's fun to get, like, down in the nitty-gritty of, like, the, the world, you know, the, the, the Section 31 world, and to see Worf being her handler, all that kind of stuff was really fun. Um, I also just, like, there's nothing compared to seeing the Enterprise D again, you know, like, I have a little glisten in my eye right now, because thinking about it even makes me tear up, like, it was such a good reveal, it was great. It was really great to see Jordy's reaction too. You know the fact that like this is his baby, as long as his, along with his other babies. Like to see his kids there was so cool. And then my absolute highlight, I think, was the most gorgeous scene probably I've seen in like, act, like acting wise I've seen in a long time in Star Trek was LeVar Burton's acting with um, Brent Spiner. <laughs> you all know the scene I'm talking about. Ashlyn's already crying. I'm crying. Like, that was so well done. I think that their entire dynamic, especially when Data has now grown and evolved into this beautiful, beautiful character, that was so special to me. We're finally getting a Data that feels different. And Brent Spiner, I get annoyed by him but he's such a good actor ah, he's so good at what he does that like he does he did pull it off and I think that that was also because LeVar Burton was setting the bar at the fucking like sky is the limit you know like he was just going so hard for this role and again we got to see his eyes we got to see more of his acting like he he gets to be more than what TNG gave him and that's what so much of Picard did for these characters did for the women besides Troy um did for you know, gave us storylines of not just, like, I don't know. We just got to flesh it out more. So I'm so, so grateful for these actors for coming back and for all of those moments that you're just sobbing with joy, you know, just, like, on the ground, living your, like, my dreams are actualized. Like, I got to see the Enterprise D again, and I got to see everybody on the crew at the same time. Like, that chills, chills. Like, just fucking incredible. So... I really, really fucking enjoyed this season. I thought that yeah, the nostalgia payoffs were so good when they hit. Like, they were phenomenal. So, Ashlyn, please tell me your highs now. <laughs> I mean, so many shared highs. Um, oh, I just, I think I honestly cried from season five to the end. Like, every single season episode. Five. Oh, season five. From episode five, Imposters, to the end. 
um, because there were so many fantastic moments and special callbacks that just like really got to my heart. Um, the scene, oh my God, the scene in, I think it's Disengage, the end of the second episode where Riker has woken up Bev brings her to the bridge and then uh you know they're debating like what do we do about Jack do we give him to Vatic or not and there's this like 30 second scene at the end of the episode where Bev and Picard like from across the bridge like they give each other faces and Bev essentially says like yep he's your son and then Picard's like like stop the order you know like save Jack the acting is unbelievable and I thought that's what you're gonna say with a tremendous um, display of, of acting to me like that scene is one of the best um one of the many we get also another high for me is and i mentioned this on the trexperts quiz yesterday but mm-hmm. um after jack and picard have been taken out of the board collective they're not in that green like smoky place anymore <laughs> um data uh, i mean this whole this whole scene is a highlight for me um data is able to like navigate his way through the cube and then Bev has to, like, shoot. She, like, makes a choice, like, mm-hmm. between, like, saving my son and, like, possible lover um, versus, like, saving the whole universe. And she just, like, so badass. She just, like, de- dead ass and, like, almost murders her son. Yeah. But Jack, there's this amazing shot where Jack and Picard are looking up in the Borg cube. And it's the D. It's the Enterprise D above them, beaming them up. And I just, oh. I had just, like, a weep. Always weep. Um I just think that there were so many amazing um, Easter eggs also. I had a great time going through Daystrom Station. um, (laughs) Daystrom Station. (laughs) Seeing all the fun Easter eggs, as well as seeing all the ships at Frontier Day. Or not Frontier Day, oh my god. (laughs) I mean, yes, Frontier Day, but also the ships at the Fleet Museum. Because it gives us nerds like an opportunity to really honor these ships and like everything that they've made. I also I thought the uh, the moment where Jack and Seven are together and Seven gives her speech about Voyager made Ooh. me so happy and made me just weep, absolutely weep. You know, she was reborn on this ship and um, seeing Tuvok, seeing Tim Russ was a huge highlight for yes. me. All of the characters that they brought back, Ro, Shelby, um, mm. Q. Hmm. <laughs> um, I, yeah, just just wonderful. I could go on for like twenty more years about how how many highlights I have in this season. Um, totally. It's a nostalgia carousel, mm-hmm. but a, a carousel that's well built. Yes, and the one that I would love to write on. <laughs> like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, let's wrap this up, Brianna. What are you grateful for in Picard season three? Oh man, I am grateful for Michelle Forbes for Roe. I cannot believe the tremendous acting she brought into this one singular episode of Picard. Uh, Completely destroyed me. My entire heart was shattered and healed all at once, sort of. Um, Beautiful arc for her. I am just grateful for, like, Micah Burton, for uh, Ashley uh, Sharpay-Chestnut, you know, like, all of these people who are sort of having to compete almost or having to play at the same field as these like TNG legends, you know, and obviously Roe is on TNG, but I'm just thinking of all these characters they brought in, even the bridge crew and stuff. Like I thought they did a great job making everyone really dynamic, even for Todd Stashwick, like his, you know, I mean, Shaw's annoying and amazing and all the above, but like such a good character. What a great 
thing to bring. And Amanda Plummer, such a good villain. Like, just so, time and time again, we're seeing these amazing actors brought in, and I'm just infinitely grateful that um, everyone they seem to reach out to hopefully was like, yes, I will I will come back for Picard. Yes, thank you, Rihanna. Yeah. Um, I'm, same vein, The every actor that appeared in this in this season was phenomenal. Everyone gave their best. I'm so grateful that we do get an answer to all good things. And that last scene where they're all playing poker um, is something... I, okay, so I will say I'm, I'm grateful for these small character moments that we get throughout season three because in a lot of new Trek, like everything that's coming out, it's limited episodes not 26 episodes that are all 45 minutes long (laughs) yeah um where you know there's five minutes in the intro about like a very humanizing something going on that's funny or it causes us to get to know our characters more um season three brings that in their own special way where they're able to somehow in the midst of this crazy plot have these character moments work together in order to make us feel love and um just like feel connected to who these people are now and understand them more. Um, It's so much fun. I'm so thankful for Jonathan Frakes for directing two of these episodes and for being a amazing creative force on the Star Trek team. You've absolutely proven your worth as the great bird of the sky following in Roddenberry's footsteps, in my opinion. Um, And to find out that he's as nice as he seems. That changes my life. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Changes my life. (laughs) So uh, just to the cast and the crew, to everyone who took this season seriously, I'm so grateful for you. And uh, I am just grateful that we get to talk about Picard. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know that I'm going to be rewatching these seasons. Like Picard is such a, wonderful show and what a cool like just little three season snippet you know like it's kind of fun to have like a, a limited little, series yeah, yeah it's kind of fun to have a couple of of tracks now that are a little shorter enterprise only went four seasons animated series went three I mean, tos, TOS went three. did its best you know? yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of fun to have these different lengths of seasons um as much as we always want it to go on forever i think that they did the finale such justice Wonderful, wonderful. Well, I think it's time we shimmy on down to the next app, to the next part of the special. We have a couple more voicemails for you today, including one that was written and sent in. Rihanna, do you have that one? Very special. I have a very special voicemail. <laughs> very yes. special written voicemail. So this is from our grandmother, Beverly Cole. Thank you so much. Uh, you share the name of a beautiful woman, <laughs> Beverly Crusher, Beverly <laughs> Cole. Uh, kindred spirits, redhead spirits. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, at, and to give a little context, our grandma just started watching Picard uh, like <laughs> about a week before season three came out. She just cruised through seasons one and two and was ready to start watching. And she's like destroying Voyager at the same yeah, time. Yeah, she's badass. never seen TNG to my knowledge, or <laughs> no. like never on purpose. <laughs> I think she saw some, you know, random episodes. Yeah, yeah. So, this is what she says. She says. What to say about Picard? Picard was so many things. A huge adventure, a mystery, amazing visual effects, and music. A reunion of Jean-Luc, Riker, Worf, Data, Deanna, Beverly, Seven, and Rafi. The introduction of Jack. And finally, Spock, she writes, which we believe she means Tuvok. (laughs) 
Jury's still out on that one. Um, <laughs> not quite sure what she means, but we love the energy. I mean, there were a lot of Easter eggs, and I, I probably just missed Was there Spock? a Spock Easter egg <laughs> yeah. that our grandma yeah. saw and got really excited about? Or was she talking about Tuvok? <laughs> and she, then she goes on to say, I love having the Borg play a big part. Love that a spy, a pirate, and a thief were given their own ship, and Seven is now captain. I love reviving the Enterprise, and now a new Enterprise G. And finally... That this was the never-ending Picard. Like Shrek, one ending led to another and another and another, all leading to Enterprise, also being unending with Enterprise G. <laughs> you gotta love our grandma. She is comparing Star Trek to Shrek, and I that's, that takes some next-level thinking. I love yeah. it. <laughs> I've never thought to think about it as Shrek, but she's, she damn, she's damn right. <laughs> she's damn right. Oh, yes. So thank you, Beverly. Uh, thank you, Nanny, as we call you, Yes, <laughs> for sending that in. We do have a couple more voicemails that we would like to play. Picard Season 3 was amazing. They hit all the right notes. They brought the Enterprise D back and gave her a proper ending. So it made up for Generations. It made up for Nemesis. And above all, it succeeded where Star Wars failed. Thank you so much, Terry Metalis. Thank you. <laughs> cool. Beautiful. Um, all right, Rihanna. So I think now it's time to do some uh, rapid fire character. <laughs> we cannot go over the time limit. No. So, um, so Rihanna, I'm going to task you with Laris and Talyn. Yes. Um, give it to me. Okay. Laris, thank you so much for being the unsung woman. You are often set aside or put as a love interest, but we appreciate your value, your merit, your amazing, amazing accent. We love when you say those cheeky feckers, like that was the greatest quote of all time. Laris has grown and changed and I wish we had more time with her, but I love you so much. And Talon, you're also really cool. Thank you for saving literally all of humanity. And being a sick watcher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Right, wonderful. Okay, Ashlyn, would you like to have a soon party and talk about every single Brent Spiner character? I love talking about what irritates me. Um, <laughs> Brent Spiner, what an amazing actor you are, truly. Especially in season three, I thought you really shined. Having to switch between Data, Lore, B4, Lull, whoever else the fuck is in there. I could tell. Every eye twitch, I knew who you were being. So, like, amazing job, Brent Spiner. These characters, man, they're all the same, but uh, they're there, you know? Um, <laughs> amazing to see Lore back. Wonderful job. Nice. Okay, Rihanna. Okay, here we go. It's time for Jack Crusher. Let's Great. hear it. <laughs> Okay, let's talk about Jack Crusher. What's there to say? Um, you were raised by the most amazing woman, Beverly Crusher. He's a badass. He really, like, is actually ready to save people. He wants to save people who are outside of the Federation. He's got a really kind heart, really big heart. He is having a little flirtation with Sydney, which is really fun. Uh, he saves her life. He saves everyone's lives, pretty much. And uh, he's also the hottest Borg I've ever seen in my life. Um, but all that aside, I really enjoyed his addition to this show. And thank you, Jack. <laughs> wonderful. Amazing. Yes. Ashlyn, please give a shout out to the wonderful Jonathan Del Arco, a.k.a. Hugh. Hugh, man. Uh, amazing character to bring back. Sorry they killed you. Um, <laughs> I think, like, could not be a better role for Hugh to be working on the Borg Reclamation Project not be a better mentor for uh, Soji. And it just gives me hope that uh, some days, someday the XBs will be 
okay again. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, okay, Javon, Rihanna, let's let's hear the the dead husband. Javon, you deserve the worst. <laughs> I'm so bad they killed you. <laughs> um, you were seriously like, I love how Javon was so kind. He was very much a loving spirit. Like he was very much loved his wife. You could tell he was he cared for Picard both like probably physically and like whatever cleaning chores around the house. All the he he helped him through the PR stuff with freaking Starfleet. Like truly a goat and gone too soon. We love you, Javon, so much. Rest in peace. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we're skipping down on these characters. We're so I, we don't need pictures. these. Okay, Ashlyn, I would like for you to talk about the almightiest Q. Oh, Lord. Um, amazing return in season two. Um, he looks really hot. <laughs> and um, I... I, I love that he actually doesn't have powers because this is also a trope we faced in TNG. So it's just like, here we are again. Yep. Q can't control things. Um, I thought he was extra rude to be like a terrible therapist to Rene Picard. That was mm, terrible. Okay. But in the end, you know, he just had like a giant season long tapestry episode. And I'm here for it. I love Q. I hope John Delancey lives forever. Yes. <laughs> all right. So we are going to play some another voicemail for you all. I am Isaac. And I'm Jack, and we're from Two, two Minute Trek. Two Minute Trek. <laughs> what was what's your thoughts um, on this episode? Well, Rhino used a transporter, so she must have knew what was happening. Ah, right. Because she used the shuttle to get away. That's right, transporter were, were issues. and that, Yeah, yeah. maybe she did know exactly what was going on all along. She did do lots of research. Now, did you notice when they came back on the bridge of the Enterprise after taking down the Borg, that, war- that Worf got out of the bridge twice? Did he? He let exits the turbo lift twice. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so there, there are a couple of things from us at Two Minute Trek here in Australia. Thanks for having us on your pod, the Duras Sisters. Bye-bye. Beautiful. Thank you so much for um, leaving that wonderful voicemail. We have a couple more things we need to wrap up. Rihanna, don't think too hard about this. I want you to rank seasons. I rank, rank all the seasons of Picard. I'm going to get killed for this. Okay, we're ready. Um, Okay, in last place, I am going to be putting season two. In second place, I'm going to be putting season three. And in first place, I'm going to be putting season one. Okay, bye! (laughs) (laughs) Running away. Um, No, that's that's my my order, Ashlyn. chaotic but that's how I feel <laughs> I feel like I didn't know this about you production so. value just like overall you know like sure yeah. sure mm-hmm. everything we said okay yeah. <laughs> okay Ashlyn please rate the seasons give it to us three two one <laughs> <laughs> it's the typical answer actually a lot of people don't like two but for it me it might be three one two for some three yeah. two one that's the way to go for me beautiful um okay Ashlyn off the top of your head Let's hear your best wharf one-liner. Okay. Um, <laughs> I will make it a threesome. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on with Worf in that scene? I don't know, but like I, I'm in love with him. Oh my God. <laughs> okay, yes. Okay, so my favorite wharf one-liner is, I've been told tears are the body's weapon against pain. Amazing. (laughs) Incredible legend. Boom. All right, well, Rihanna, I think we should say together um, the the most iconic thing that Worf has ever said in all of Star Trek. Beheadings are on Wednesdays. (laughs) I was going to say, I am Worf, son Son of of Moog. 
House, House of Bartok. Son, son of Sergey. Wait, no. Oh, yes, yes. Son, son of Sergey. House of Roshenko. Bane. No, wait. Um, I, that's probably oh, right. There's something else he does. Wait. Slayer of... No, that's later. <laughs> Slayer of men. Um, <laughs> we couldn't even remember it. I am... I am Worf, son of Moog, House of Martok, son of Sergei, House of Roshenko, Bane to the Duras, and Slayer of Galron. I have made some, some chamomile, chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? <laughs> that is actually the most iconic Worf quote besides maybe beheadings are on Wednesdays. There's so many good ones. We love I, Worf. Le- I like almost lost my voice from screeching when he first said that. I about yeah. I was on the ground. Bane of Duras especially, like that is... It hits different for us. Yeah. <laughs> he called yeah. us out. He's ready to fight. <laughs> also, Julian from Strange New Pod made us a gif uh, that says Bane of the Duras family. So thank you. Julian for being Shout amazing. Out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, Rihanna, this is it. Everything is that it. we've learned, everything that we've talked about, everything that you have contributed, Rihanna, lay it out for me. What are your final thoughts about Picard? I'm giving you a minute. Okay. <laughs> we gave our listeners only 30 seconds, so yeah. <laughs> we have to hold ourselves to a similar standard. How how did it impact you? How did it impact the world? You have one minute to answer Great. and go for it. Star Trek Picard actually is really important to me because it was the show that I started right before the pandemic. I started it with a group of friends. And so to see the finale kind of uh, happening towards the end of the pandemic or what we hopefully know to be the end has been really special. And I think that it impacts me in a way that I've learned to explore emotions more through this show. And I've learned that there's so much deeper beyond the surface than what certain than what certain characters may seem you know and that there's always another story to tell and there's there's always more to be written about a certain character you can always go deeper and that's the beauty of star trek and that's the beauty of picard i think that this show executes so well the interwoven interwoven uh just like the way that the characters are interwoven so well and the way that picard is sort of the figure to unite them all (laughs) is really epic and i think it's really cool that they decided to make an entire series about one man one legend john luke picard wow beautiful that was literally a minute (laughs) literally a minute i'm pretty badass so ashlyn i want to hear about your thoughts about picard as a whole in one minute Picard, I think, is going to be one of those shows that in a couple years is going to be really beloved every single season. Um, I still think till the end of time what they did with the cast disruption will be jarring, but that's okay. Um, Picard is one of my favorite characters, and giving him the time and space to explore his deepest issues and insecurities and problems makes me so happy and makes me feel like I love the character even more And it makes me appreciate Sir Patrick Stewart and everything that he's given to us as Captain Picard. What a legend. What an amazing choice for a TV show. I think that with what they had and with the writing and the acting and the cast and everyone that they had for this project, they did an amazing job. And there's a million stories to tell with Picard. And so I think that these are three very important stories. And if you view them separately, that is the optimal way. (laughs) To watch Picard. <laughs> yes, Ashlyn, 59 seconds. Wow, well done. It's. It, I mean, it's impossible to talk. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It really is. And we've tried it. We just tried we it just for this tried episode. We just tried for like three hours to talk about Picard. 
Okay, well, Rihanna, that was so wonderful discussing season one, two, and three. I'm glad we got to give them a really in-depth review. And if you want even more, like, please listen to our series, because we've been talking about Picard yeah. for years already. And guess what? We, we're going to do family in, like, two weeks for Picard. Yeah. So, so we'll be back. <laughs> this discussion is not over. I am very excited about our next segment. It is something that has been in the works since the first episode of Picard aired. So please enjoy this wonderful talk with our mom. All right, so we are now moving on to a segment that I'm very excited to talk about. So back in the day when everybody watched shows all at the same time and the shows ended, it was a really big deal. I think about Game of Thrones as a really big, had a huge impact on me when the final season aired because every week people were watching and as a family, we all filled out this list that are or this like questionnaire that I saw on Reddit. And it was about like, what, what will happen in Game of Thrones? Like, will John die? Who will become the Night King? And so because this is really the first time in Star Trek, we've had a show end within our lifetime that we've been watching every episode every week and been really into it. And then also with the season three of Picard, including the TNG cast, this really feels like a special ending. And so I thought, what if we just do another prediction sheet like we did for Game of Thrones? And so I kind of threw this together and I I think we talked about this when the um when Picard began to air and we like posted it on our social media. But um I created a little spreadsheet and Rihanna and our mom all filled out a sheet. And so now today I am just so happy because our mom is here. <laughs> Special Hi. guest Michelle Heard. <laughs> hello, hello. Hello, hello. Um, we were we're so happy to have you. Last time I think you were on for an Enterprise episode of was it I was time travel. Time, time travel. Yeah. Yep. Well, you are our first repeat guest in the history of the Dura sisters. Besides Gabby, but she's Besides a, Gabby. she's she's now a staple. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's a sister. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. So we are so happy to have you. I I'm wondering, mom, from your perspective, can you give us a like farewell to Picard or a, um, a little summary of your thoughts about what you thought about the show in the last three seasons? Yeah, I sure will. I'm so excited first to be on with you all. And the, she talks about this um, Picard sheet that we put our predictions on. And it's not just a spreadsheet. It's got pictures. It's got <laughs> columns. There are check boxes. There's tables. This this is intense and awesome. And it was so fun putting this like pen to paper before we started the Picard uh, watching to begin thinking about what was season three going to look like. And so that was like a great setup for me. So I'm really glad that you did this prediction sheet. Thank you. Because it made me think a little bit more intentionally about season three. So, um, but I know I'm supposed to talk about Picard as a full, uh, a full three seasons. And I just have a hard time doing that on some level because they felt so disparate to me. They felt like there is season one and this is what's happening. There is season two and this is what's happening. And while we got Picard the whole way through, as we all know, uh, as fans, they were very different seasons. And so, my overall take home is I loved it. I loved having Star Trek come out and be able to watch as a family together in this way, because the last time Star Trek was happening for me and, and coming out where I was really into it or aware has been a really, really long time ago, more with the movies than with um, any actual series. And so this was extra special with you two. So that's one of the big 
pieces for me is that Picard brings this fandom together in a real-time way, and I love that. As a full series, I guess I felt pushed and pulled in all of these directions. I loved all of the episodes around understanding what was happening for Picard as a young person, because I think we all wondered as we were watching The Next Generation, like sort of in the back of our minds, what the hell's wrong with Picard? Like he never had a family and the family he did have, he was pretty estranged from. And, you know, like what happened in that backstory? So I love that because they went into his backstory, that that was something that we finally got to see about him. So that really mattered to me. And that was an important season. I also thought it was interesting then when we got season three and we get to meet Picard's son, that he's having this same like door in his memory as Picard was in the Picard season. And so I kept thinking, and I think I said to the two of you, what's up with the doors with Picard yeah. and his son? What's going on with this? And yeah, so well, uh, I want to interject and say, I, my mind was blown when you connected those two, because I hadn't even thought of that, but what is with the Picard boys and their behind the door, right? Yeah. But I, I think that that's such an important piece of the, the way that they shaped Picard and the storytelling that they did is that there's always something behind our door. There's always something that's, that we have kept compartmentalized away from us that like we know about, but we're not really willing to talk about or, or really willing to listen to the voice in, in the case of Jack, am I saying the right name? Yeah. Jack. Yeah. I really hated in season three when they were bringing all the uh, next gen cast back. I was sad about that because I had fallen so in love with the dynamics with Elnor and Rios and all of the beautiful dynamics that were happening that when season three was coming about and they were popping Worf in, I was super excited to see Worf, but also like, oh, but is there going to be Rafi? Oh, there's Rafi, you know? And so it was, it was good that they were able to like sort of irritate me. And then at the same time, I felt really excited that, oh, they're introducing these characters together. What could that look like? I love so much that they showed growth in season three of all of the next gen characters. I thought that was really powerful, particularly Worf, seeing where he had come to really warmed my heart. And so despite myself feeling frustrated that they were going to kind of make this, it felt like uh, pandering, you know, to a group of fans that really prefer next gen kind of um, way of being rather than me feeling that way in the end, I actually felt very into it. And the more episodes that rolled out, the more I wanted to know about what had happened all this time for the next gen characters. And I just felt more and more excited. And the season finale, I thought was fantastic. I, you know, like crying and whooping and hollering. I thought it brought back all of the best and worst parts of Star Trek, all of the things that we love to hate in the Borg. Also to see the growth expanded. This is the one area where I thought they did a really great job throughout all three seasons. Of course, the series is about Picard. And so we should be seeing his growth. And we actually did in the season three finale. And I thought that was fantastic. So so overall, a huge fan. I would have loved it anyway, because as Ashlyn has said to me before, mom, I don't know if I can trust your judgment about movies because I'm not very discerning. I really do love theater. I love movies. I love TV shows. I like character development and things like that. 
So probably I was going to love it anyway, but for sure, season three, even despite, you know, where it was headed and my frustration around it, I of course ended up loving it. So that's how I feel about Picard. That's my take. I love that mom. Thank you for taking us through that. And it's really important to mention about Picard in general, that it is a show that relies so much on TNG in the end, you know, and even did a little bit when you're first watching it, hearing about data, but you kind of just need to go in back and watch Nemesis and you're good. And so I think that viewing season three is so different depending on if TNG is your favorite, if you've seen TNG at all, or, you know, whatever kind of in the middle. And mom, I think as we've talked about a little bit on the podcast, like that was what your last uh, Star Trek show you watched was The Next Generation? Well, and I didn't even really watch it in real time because I was in high school. And so I had a boyfriend and we were very busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, doing high school things, just being in high school. <laughs> well, I think all we did in high school was uh, watch Star Trek. So <laughs> very different. Very different upbringing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah thank you, mom. Um, our sentiments are very echoed in everything that you said, but I think it's time to get on to the points. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. Get on to the prediction sheet. So this first section is the survival round. So I have a bunch of list of characters and the options were they can either live, they die or it's a death fake out. So I'm going to say the characters and then Rihanna and mom, I want you to say what you have. And there's a more efficient way of doing this. I mean, I think first we have to say who actually had a death fake out in this because obviously so most people just, live yes yeah Worf had a death fake out uh when Rafi like stabbed him okay Woo, I get a point for that death yeah, fake yeah out I also mama. put death fake Me out too. <laughs> oh all three all okay, okay, yes <laughs> yeah. and Data 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 had a death fake out unfortunately he's not in our character list because oh, Data, yeah. Data was not supposed to come back <laughs> no, they really life. faked us out <laughs> yeah he was he was extreme death fake out it was a life fake out actually yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah literally oh but wait did we say the main villain had a death fake out because it was tricky right we had the main villain which was mm. what's her name Vatic Vatic who was being controlled by the Borg yeah true well but i guess it wasn't a fake out because did she actually die i think I mean, she's, she's dead. dead yeah <laughs> i think she, when she floated away she's dead okay yeah, yeah. all right okay so for picard i had that he died yeah me too I, and yeah i totally i had him living that. okay yeah. so nice job rihanna thank you <laughs> for uh riker i have that he lived me too me too okay he does live Worf, we already said he lives and he has a death fake out which is i had both of those yes two points for um jordy i had he lived i had he died i had death for jordy as well wow you guys had loaf no faith yeah um for beverly crusher i had lives and death fake out which what do we think about Bev? Was that a death she fake out? Flatline. Okay, That's kind okay. of the. <laughs> yeah, we, we didn't ever like start crying, or I didn't start to text you. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, also, a really good indicator of a yes. death fake out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had that she was living. Yes, me as well. Great. Okay, for Troy, I had that she got taken out. Oh wow! Now I me. had li- li- life for Troy. Yeah, lived because they already took her son. I didn't figure her or Riker would die, but. Very good point. Yeah. Got it worked out. <laughs> For Rafi, I had lives and death fake out. Just I lives. 
Yeah. For seven of nine, I have lives. Lives. Same. Mysterious man from poster, which I mean, Jack, of course. <laughs> But you know, you made this with very little information. Um, I have mysterious man is dead. So that yeah, was wrong. I didn't. I really thought they were going to kill Jack. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I also kind of wonder if they did sort of, if he was kind of a death fake out his own self because he did become a Borg. He did become a Borg. We did discuss this in our series of <laughs> if that counts. But right, I mean, does I, it count? It's like a it's like a spiritual death, but I don't think it's truly a like flat line. You know, like he's still leaving okay. living and breathing. Even okay. if a really hot Borg. <laughs> he had oh some gosh. close shaves, but he was not like dead and they were dead out of a funeral. No sobbing again. <laughs> yeah. Okay, right. They didn't send him out in the into space in his they coffin. They didn't start making plans like <laughs> post-death. You know, he I feel like he died the gas though, but I know still, that's what I'm saying. He had some yeah. close shaves. Mm-hmm. All right, after review, <laughs> Jack, <laughs> thank you. Go. <laughs> and he's alive. <laughs> okay, main villain, of course, is Vatic. I have has died which yes. I think died. Is that is yeah. correct and then Moriarty <laughs> yeah I said Moriarty. I said lives yeah okay that's point <laughs> and Moriarty lives so <laughs> okay so this is kind of a sad round in retrospect it's called partner matching oh no um and so I'm gonna go down will Picard end up with anyone and who so I uh, um I said Picard will end up with someone will end up with Bev so how do we answer yeah, these mom, questions? What, what was your answer? Let's well, I said Romulan and Beverly. Oh, <laughs> I was trying okay. to cover my bases, I think. I love this poly relationship. Okay, I also said Beverly, that he will end up with her. So I think that this is as close as we're going to get with these two, I guess, is, is this sort of vague... Um, they, maybe what what I saw a tweet that said uh they are basically raising a grown child together <laughs> that's so. right they're co-parenting I think well, that yeah. I think they didn't give us enough information you know they let us uh infer yeah and, and I they, want to infer that they'll be together but yeah okay so Terry Metalis actually put out a tweet because everyone's like he's the showrunner and everyone's freaking out like are they together or not? And he said it's up to the fans. So yeah. mom, you gave us the answer. It's up to the fans. I say yes. we all get a point. <laughs> I say we get a point. Okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> mom, if you wanted uh Beverly and Laris and Picard to all get together, then I they are together. Okay, <laughs> that's what I want. Space, time, and vineyard time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. It's important. Bev needs space too. Like, yeah, everyone has yeah. their own space time. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, Beverly end up with anyone. I said yes, Picard. Me too. Same. Okay. <laughs> Did you say Laris as well, mom? <laughs> no, I only, <laughs> no. <laughs> but I love that, actually. I wish I had thought yeah. of that. <laughs> That's kind of awesome, yeah. <laughs> Complete it. Okay, uh, will Worf end up with anyone? I said no. I did too. I said yes, Borg Queen. Ha ha ha. <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking, but I that would have been funny. Would be hilarious. That's yeah. Um. Okay. Well, he did not. So <laughs> so sucks for mom. It sucks for me. No, that's hilarious. Um. Is Jordy coupled up? Oh. No. I said yes with the whale lady ancestor. <laughs> also hilarious. <laughs> um. Bob, who did you say? No, no one. Okay, I said yes, and with Hot Poster Man, but that's horrifying <laughs> in retrospect, realizing that that's Jack Crusher, yeah. and I'm very glad they're not together. So again, we don't have an answer. Jordy is coupled up, I think, 
but there's no mention of who. So yeah. this is kind of a sad question. I, I think we think it's the girl's wife, the girl's mom, right? Yeah. That they're all yeah. still but we don't a know nuclear who the mom family. Is. Yeah. yeah. No, we don't. Yeah. No. So a, I think parent, he's coupled yeah. up. I there's still hope that it could be a whale lady ancestor. So yeah. hold now hope. I yeah. will keep my points on pending and going <laughs> out. Yeah. What's I, going on with that? Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. Will Moriarty end up with anyone? <laughs> I said I said no about that. Yeah, <laughs> I yeah, really know you. what to say about that. <laughs> Sorry, bud. Um, will Seven and Rafi end up together? Yes. And I said, yes, they better in all caps. <laughs> so yes, and they did, right? Or uh, is that also being left up to the fans? I didn't I haven't seen a tweet about them. Well, I have seen several tweets about them. Many, but yeah. um again, Terry McTallis, because everyone was saying, how can they do it? Like with Captain and First Officer. And he said, Well, that never stopped Kirk and Spock. And to which I replied, it did not stop Jane Way. Well, it did stop Jane Wichikote, but like <laughs> it didn't need to. So I'm assuming they're together. So again, I think yeah. when they stayed back together on the Titan. Yes. They that are was an indicator. together on the same ship. They so. sure are, if we want to talk about what semantics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> also, I think it's wild that Rafi's journey was like Starfleet security to Section 31 to Commander, first yes. officer on a ship, when she hasn't been on a ship in years. But no. you know, don't worry. I That's thought I missed I something. This is canon. is because yes. we're like, we need to get Seven and Rafi together somehow. Yeah, and Seven was like, I will just like, please, I'm the captain. I will form my own crew and she just <laughs> brings Rafi yeah so. you sit here you sit here yeah <laughs> yeah wonderful okay well that was a wonderful round of partner matching now we're moving on to old faces and this is just like an open uh open answer question you can write whoever you want so for this first one it is who will show up from the previous two seasons of Picard well, and, I wanted Rios, Wesley, Elnor, and Q all to show up, and only Q showed up. Okay, okay but you got yourself Q. a point. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, um, go ahead, Ashlyn. I said, so initially, <laughs> I wrote Picard, Rafi, Guinan, and Gerardi. And then Rihanna, when we first announced these at the before after the first episode aired, uh, or not, or like before the first episode aired, she said I couldn't write yeah, in Picard. I call BS on that one. The show is his name. <laughs> of course he's going to be in there. But I didn't, I mean, the question didn't say <laughs> Picard does not count. So I just feel like. No. I think, yeah, I think she's pushing it too. Yeah, that's a, that's a stretch at best. And then I don't even think I get points for Rafi because no. <laughs> she was in all the trailers. Of course we are. Anybody that was on the trailers or on the like poster. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I got no. One and wait, do I have this wrong? Hugh was in season three. Yes. Yeah. He was in the last season, in the last episode, like the last second. The the end. Yes. Pre- yeah. Okay. I said Guinan, Laris, and Kestra, and I only got Laris. Yeah. So poor Kestra, man. They just pretended shocked. like. She- no, we didn't even have a video call with Kestra. No. Like, come on, mom and dad. He got the yeah. Alexander treatment. Like, <laughs> like they both forgot they had children. <laughs> they totally did. <laughs> yeah. um, okay, so who will show up from any previous ongoing Star Trek show? Mom, who do you have? Oh, gosh, I love this. And I wish more had shown up. But Cisco, no. Uh, Borg Queen, yeah. Nice. Janeway, man, wouldn't that have been amazing? Q. Alexander, I thought. Oh, I thought that was in the bag. Yeah. Ferenke, woohoo. Nice. 
and pike. I would have loved to have a little pike. Oh, like, what, don't we all? Yeah. <laughs> we um, all love a little pike. Rihanna, who did you think was going to show up from any previous or ongoing Trek shows? Well, I said Alexander, Naomi Wildman, and Ro. You heard of here first. I thought Ro was coming back, Whoa. and I wow. said Harry Kim, which was just not How, right. Did you know about Ro? No. I That's just, amazing. I just wrote her down because I love her. I wanted. I her love to her back. too. It. What a great part oh. she played in that. Yeah. Oh, and there chemistry together was it was fire. Like, scary good all of the actors this season just brought their literal a game like everyone was on point it was amazing so oh. put one down for row ashlyn who did who did you oh who did you have uh, <laughs> i had barkley pasha which we did get like a little oh, image of her figure true um and q's son oh for some reason i scratched wow. it out but i still <laughs> count it yeah um I, so I still close. got no points <laughs> <laughs> yeah all right um so now the last part of this section is who slash what deep references will be made so this could be like any easter eggs like anything anything you want so mom i, I heard thought you had quite an extensive list right? i have an extensive list okay, Are you ready? yeah okay uh board queen gerardi you wasn't he mentioned all the cues. yes yeah, yeah you're good cisco archer kirk spock bones I, I have Q again. Yeah, Q. <laughs> uh, Ahura, Ferengi, and Pike. Okay, so you got Ferengi, Kirk, um, obviously Q, or Queen. I, I should have been keeping this handy during, because something makes me think Hugh was brought up. Q. Um, there was no Hugh. No. No. And nothing about Cisco either, even though um, we wish, even though the Dominion was literally brought up. Yeah, <laughs> right. No. Yeah. Okay. I thought with the changelings that I might have gotten some Cisco action, but okay. Unfortunately, no. The Great Link was mentioned, and Odo was mentioned, but for sure, yeah, yeah, that okay. was the extent. Okay, um, Ashlyn, hit us with it. Okay, I have Janeway, which of course she was mentioned. Nice. Um, Quark, Tapol, Archer, Wesley. I'm going to count Wesley. Because totally my son Wesley. Um oh, yeah. Elnor, the Cerritos, Q's son, Spock, Cybok, eight four seven two, like species eight four seven two, the Duras sisters. I'm gonna count Duras sisters <laughs> yes. because he said the bane of Duras. Yes. That's right. That counts. Yeah, that's the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> okay, go ahead, Rihanna. Okay, I had Wolf 359. Nice. Wow. Um, Alexander reference, which nothing about him, not a crow. No. <laughs> Q reference. Uh, Stargazer Disaster, which I don't think was in there, but the Stargazer was. But uh, I said Disaster. Yeah, you're yeah. right. You're right. Um, Nemesis slash Data's Death, which was, and the Vineyard slash Chateau, which was. Yeah, low, some low so, hanging fruit there. Four, <laughs> yeah. But but they were there. So four, yes, they were. <laughs> so, we should have taken that tack, Dash. <laughs> that was good, Rian. Although if I had said his dog number one again, like <laughs> no, forgot they had kids in this. Yeah. Kids and pets, yeah. All right. Well, we're heading to the back page now. We're in the back nine. Oh, to the back nine. Um, and this is time for questions at warp nine. So these are quick yes or no questions. Does JL have a secret son with Beverly? I said, no. I said no. We were all Ashlyn knew. <laughs> I had the T. I had a feeling. Um, will soon in parentheses Brent Spiner finally get killed off? <laughs> I nope, say yes, but, but soon is dead. Like if we separate them all out, can we? 
Come on. <laughs> yes, we could. Yeah, we could. Right? Because we've got Sue, we've got the bad brother, and we've got Data. And before, technically. But... Well, there's, He's not there's really a, off, a Data though. question later, though. But I think I think Soon is killed because he was going to use Picard's body in Section 31. Oh, true. Dead. Yes. Okay, yeah, so he's dead. Enough. So... Good, good. I think he's dead. Yeah, okay. I, I said yes as well to that. I said no. Well, Moriarty joins society. Oh. I said no. I said yes. I said yes, <laughs> which is wrong. Will there be a trans non-binary character? Yes. No. I said yes. I yeah. said yes. I, I think it was I said no. yes, but there was there was none. I don't think there was. Um, you don't think so on the deck? Um, on the deck. On the, uh, on the bridge. On the bridge. On the bridge. You know, that is a good question well, actually, because it was kind of giving, giving non-binary vibes. I thought, um, darn, I don't remember their name, who Vatic killed oh, on yeah, the bridge. Tavina or whatever. Taveen. Was that a Vulcan? Yeah, Taveen yeah. was killed. So hmm. we just don't know, I think, is... We don't know. Okay. Yeah, not enough information. Yeah. Not enough information. Okay. <laughs> we don't need to out anyone who doesn't yeah. need to be outed. That's right. Okay. Um, okay. Will Data still find a way on screen? I said yes. And yes. sure that was I a yes. No. Like a you said no. said no. Like a fool. <laughs> the Data stand. I, I know. believe. Literally. Data. I couldn't believe it. Those were some of, actually, once Data was like amalgam of everyone, that was like the, some of the most special moments for me. He was so cute. Like. So cute. So awesome. Yeah. Anyway. Wow. Um, okay. Will Riker and Worf be on speaking terms? I said yes. Thanks. Yes little throwback to all good things um will kestra and wharf meet? <laughs> also random and of course we know kestra was not a, a glimmer no, yeah. <laughs> i said yes because i thought that would be the coolest meeting yeah, me too. Yeah. but i said no and i said and yes I proven right <laughs> mom and i have hope uh will there be an episode longer than an hour i said yes same i did too and the last episode was an, an hour, hour and two minutes two minutes yeah <laughs> Nice. So thanks we, we thanks for the it. credits. <laughs> I think that the finale should have been 90 minutes, but yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let it go. Okay. Wonderful answers, everybody. So now we are in the still in the fleet section. <laughs> Which of these characters still has the position slash rank of Starfleet? So there's two, yeah, two different yes or no questions. You can say for episode one, yes or no, or in the finale, yes or no. So oh, right, throughout right. the span of the season, what's happening with them? So yeah, I, yeah, I thought he would remain having a position in Starfleet. Same. Throughout. We were, we were... I went from no to yes, so I got the yes right. But okay. For William Riker, I had yes and yes. Yes, Starfleet Same. all the way. Yep. So that's Worf, I said yes and yes. Yeah, and does that count? Yeah. Okay, so uh, they're technically still under uh, totally. They're Starfleet. section 31, yeah. Section yeah. 31 is under Starfleet, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordy LaForge, I had yes, yes. Yes, yes. Same. Beverly Crusher, I had no, no, and it's no, yes. I had yes, yes. Yeah, she's... Because oh. um, I didn't know what was happening with her business. She's uh, like the... She's like an admiral, and she's like like the, Crazy. the best doctor mm-hmm. ever, like working yeah. for Starfleet now. Yeah. Um, so that was a half point for me. Okay, for Deanna Troy, I said yes, yes. I did too. <laughs> I'm kind of unclear about Deanna. Yeah, I'm unclear too. Um... I think we're assuming that she was, that she's like kind of in reserve, like Riker is, but maybe we're not active, but like, I don't know, because there's never really left Starfleet, did yeah. she? 
I don't think so. And she gave data therapy at the end. <laughs> I yeah. don't know if that was like <laughs> during work hours or something. <laughs> and she walked Jack through his door situation. True. So I think we'll go I with think, yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Rafi? And really quick, once oh, yeah, a right. Starfleet, always a Starfleet, unless they're uh, like discredited or discharged. Or do so we know how that's can, supposed to work? You can be active or reserve. So like okay. Picard technically is retired. In the beginning. He still hold one. Well, he's retired at the end. He doesn't like get active. I don't think um, he gets very active, but not <laughs> like that. Yeah. Not uh, but I still am counting it as being having a rank. Like he's not dishonorably discharged or anything. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Rafi. Rafi. I have. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Me too. Uh, same. Seven of nine. Yes, yes. Same. Yes, yes. Mysterious man. Who is Jack Crusher? Um, I said no, yes. So yeah. Yes, no. Good for you. You did? I said yes, yes. Wow, we're all wow. different opinions here. So he was a no, no. Oh, no. No, he was a no, yes. So he's a no, yes. He's a no, course. yes. He's yeah. the yeah. captain's nepotism wow, baby. crazy. <laughs> so I was backwards on mine. Okay. Right. So now we're moving on to that's classic Trek right there. Which of the following Star Trek tropes will occur? So did anyone have time travel? I did. Sorry, I did not. <laughs> Too bad for did. you. Yeah, <laughs> I did not either. Um, anyone have a holodeck episode? I, I did. did. I did, and I don't think we can. No, no. <laughs> oh, wait. Isn't the bar a holodeck in, there, in the yes. bar? Yeah. And playing poker in the bar? Okay. okay and they were in the bar for like a lot they were in the bar episodes. quite a lot right let's that's count holiday. that as a holodeck episode yeah yeah nice job thanks mom mm-hmm. um <laughs> okay saved at the last minute in parentheses or and then in quotation it's the titan which literally <laughs> yes. happened yes <laughs> with the titan no with, less with the titan. Titan. Exactly. yeah <laughs> Red shirt death, absolutely. Of course. Look at all of those poor poor Sabine. Sabine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a crew plays poker. Which yes. 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 Yeah, we all said yes on that one. Good. Um, a character morphs into something else. Whoa. Said, no, but geez, yes. that's I, I know. I wish. I said I no. Said yes. Wow. Wow. Oh, Rihanna. How did you predict that, Ashley? It's a Star Trek trope. <laughs> yeah. These things are predictable. <laughs> that's true. They're there for a reason. Um, body swap. I said yes. I said no. I think there was so, there was there kind was of, kind of a body swap. It was more mind possession than body swap, though. Hmm. I don't think it counts. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, body swap is changeling, right? I oh. guess it's not a swap. I guess technically, yeah. if we look at the word swap, they have to change into each other. Each okay. other's body. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. why it was only a half swap with yeah. Jack yeah. Sydney. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, sad. Um, okay, so now we're in final positions. Who will be the captain of the flagship by the end of the season? I said seven. seven. Wow. You said two. Seven. Wow. I said Jordy's daughter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. I love that. I didn't even know her name. Okay, who will stop the main villain? I said Babelet. <laughs> I said Picard. I said Worf. And who was it? <laughs> who stopped me? It was like, it was well, like everyone. Actually, but... Well, it was Jack, wasn't it? The main yeah. villain, Vatic or the Borg Queen? Hmm. Because Vatic. I think it Vatic. has to be 
Well, so we said earlier, when you're asking this question, we were kind of thinking the main villain, if the main villain lived or died, we were saying Vatic. But maybe that's wrong, too, because Vatic was controlled by the Borg Queen. Yeah, so I think you're right. So it should be the Borg Queen is the main villain. And if so, yes, she did have a death fake out because we thought she was dead at the end of uh, First Contact. Yeah. Just her being here is a death fake out. So mom, if you had that or whoever, go back. I did. For main villain, I had died and death fake out. Yeah. yeah. So who killed the Borg Queen? Well, it was a kind of a team effort. So I guess we accept Picard or Jack Worf Riker. Well, I mean, Beverly shot the shot. So I feel like everyone, everyone gets the right answer. Okay. So I think if we're being technical about it, though, without Picard getting into Jack's mind, plugging in essentially, true, would the Borg Queen have been stopped? No. Maybe by Beverly. Only Beverly. Yeah, would have gotten through to him. Well, well, no, she would have blown him shot. up. Oh, she, she shot the shot. Yeah. yeah. So are, are Beverly and Picard the two correct answers? I think that yeah. if we're being literal, that it has to be Picard and Beverly. Well, for thank me. you. I would like for it to be worth because that's what I put down. But... Mom, you talked yourself out of a point. <laughs> that's okay. It's the right thing to it's do. It's the honorable way. <laughs> Just the honorable. Worf would have appreciated, you know, like it's true. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. Um, will there be a spinoff from Picard? Yes or no? I said yes. I think technically it there is going to be one because legacy is basically happening. We right? don't have an answer though. But the yeah. Q thing basically yes. telling us that it's a spinoff. So yes. I think we if you said yes, get it. I did say yes, but I oh, really yeah. want it to be a warp spinoff. And I think we all know that's mm-hmm. not happening. You said so I could I said yes. The next question was if yes, which character? So mom, you said warp spinoff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I said seven and Janeway spinoff. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice. yeah. with legacy, but we don't know. Yeah, and I said yeah. Rafi and seven, which which could I think happen. Could happen. Yeah. But yeah. We, so I think we all get for the spinoff, but none of us get for the characters okay. because we don't yeah. know. Good call. Okay, and now this is a very final section. This is other predictions slash Bilbo bragging rights. <laughs> <laughs> this is can be used as a tiebreaker and also just to brag about your superiority superiority over mere mortals. So just throw in. <laughs> anything else that you want to predict the only thing i wrote down and i felt like i should have just shoved everything into this into this answer i just said a villain from voyager which they're herogen were referenced there you so go i am taking that very take that bilbo bragging i'm taking it i'm bragging tall y'all i said it here first <laughs> okay mom tell us nothing his- just absolutely nothing, nothing. <laughs> i wrote nothing down amazing okay i had someone will make a too many cooks in the kitchen joke which did not happen damn i had Worf saying i am a klingon which i believe happened (laughs) did he i'm sure he did if he didn't rafi did for him however many times saying you are he did say and then i said moriarty will make moriarty will make a reference to the sherlock program no did not happen (laughs) and then that Bev is in the Fen- Fenris Rangers, which also did not happen. So oh, no. had a lot of a lot of stabs in the dark. <laughs> okay, so now it's time to add it up. So <laughs> I think I all need a minute because I need to double check. Yeah, so let's take a pause. Okay, so we have tallied up our points. And mom, since you are our guest today, how many points did you get? I almost had my age. <laughs> I'm 50, but I actually had 46. Okay. Nice. All right, Rihanna. I had 47. Oh. Ashlyn, 45. 
<laughs> That's amazing. We are very much the same. Yeah. <laughs> Can you tell we're all related? Nice job, Brianna. 45, Thus. 46, 47. We were, I mean, man, mom, if we, we had got some of that low hanging fruit too. <laughs> exactly. Right I needed to add some. <laughs> yeah. And Laris. <laughs> oh man. Wow. Oh, so good. That was just so fun and such a blast. We were actually just talking about this today that we want to do something like this for the discovery ending. And so definitely tune back in for that. Oh, I hope you do. That would be so yeah. fun. Yeah. I mean, we have a lot of time to prepare this time too. Yeah. So. And I will, uh, like I did for Picard season three, I will be sending out when I make the spreadsheet for discovery. I have like over a year to make it. So no, <laughs> no rush, but mom, we would, I'm already inviting you back for it. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you. I will be here for a, a, a discovery goodbye episode, as well as the farewell we will be doing with, with Strange new pod. pod. But anyway, yeah. enough of that. Wow. This has been so much fun. And I, this has been great because we got to talk about stuff that we maybe weren't able to cover in the rest of the episode. So I'm glad we got to have some laughs, think about what could have been, <laughs> what what been. Yeah. and what questions were just straight up ignored, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Moriarty, for example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the most important part of his appearance was the trailer <laughs> that was it. <laughs> oh this was great thanks for having me on of course it's just always a pleasure to get to see your face and get to talk talk with you especially about star trek and i love hearing your insights and it you're one of the many amazing people that we're going to be hearing from today uh, in this podcast so we're just so lucky thank you you're welcome i can't wait for the episode <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you thanks next we are going to be listening to yet another voicemail from a wonderful listener so first of all i am so glad it went as well as it did and i think they really stuck the landing the last shot at the poker table was fantastic and just perfect but I've never been so anxious watching a TV show in my entire life. And I kept thinking they were going to kill off Riker or Troy. And that was just stressing me the heck out. Also, where was Kestra? A lot of us have questions. But all in all, definitely did a good job. The nostalgia was great. Overall, really liked it. Questions about the Jack storyline. But we got there in the end. Thank you so much, Rihanna. That was so much fun talking with mom about all of our predictions. And I think it really like gave us a chance to touch on things we didn't even talk about so far in the special. So seriously, wonderful, wonderful time just now. Um, I think it's time to uh, give the last of these characters a shout out. Yes. So Rihanna, will you give Dr. Teresa Ramirez a go? Yes. Teresa is literally such a badass. She literally runs a clinic for people who are undocumented and that is like the most like period like I could I, I should say more because she literally runs it by herself and she has the son and she is doing it all like she's incredible Teresa is truly like what a phenomenal character they wrote again more people speaking Spanish wow <laughs> <laughs> so thank you Teresa yes wonder, wonder, <laughs> love love the un, unbridled joy <laughs> coming from Rihanna about talk to Ramirez okay Ashlyn I want you to talk about Captain Liam Shaw please give it a whirl what a mixed review for me um Shaw is Captain Jellicoe's love child I I don't know how it happened but it has to be true uh, Shaw gives me big O'Brien vibes where he is the only real character <laughs> on the Titan. He's who all of us would actually be. Um, he's smart. He's tough. 
He is a great captain, um, despite having some issues, um, and he leaves a wonderful legacy and a character that is really beloved in the Star Trek universe. Rest in peace. Gone too soon, honestly. Yeah. I, I did a huge 180 on Shaw, so thank you, um, Todd Stashwick, for your portrayal of this wonderful new captain. Hell yeah. I went a little over. That's fine. Um, Worth it. Okay, Rihanna. Sydney LaForge. I'm so excited. Yes. Okay, talk about Sydney. Okay, Sydney is a pilot. She is Jordy's daughter. She had decided to not go the engineering route. And I love this. I love seeing uh, daughters not adhere to the mold of their fathers. I love seeing her trying something new and knowing that she just was going to be this kind of crazy pilot who did her own thing. And now she's fucking piloting the Titan, bitches. She's so awesome. I love Sydney. Um, I think she's very beautiful, very talented, and it's really fun that she gets so much time in this show. I'm so grateful. Yes, amazing. And I'm also going to take a second to shout out um, Alondra LaForge, played by Mika Burton, who is LeVar Burton's um, yes. daughter, what an amazing sister yeah, team. We get more yeah, sisters. we get more sisters. Picard gave us two more sister duos. That's amazing. So, we, like, we owe them a lot. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Well, I really want to talk about Vatic. So Please, here we go. go. Uh, Amanda Plummer does a fantastic job as Vatic. And I think it's really an ode to Undiscovered Country, as so much of Picard is actually an ode to so much Trek. Um, both actors deliver amazing performances of villains. Um, Vatic is smoking something. I don't know what it is, but I want it. Um, I am really digging the, like, terrifying vibes that Amanda brings to this character. Um, very terrifying, very mysterious, and, um, love the whole setting of the strike, the visuals of it. Mm. Amazing character. Thank you, Vatic, <laughs> for Thank terrifying you. us all. Yeah, exactly. Okay, and now to our little shout out to... First of all, Professor James Moriarty. <laughs> Are we really? Okay, Moriarty, I'm so sorry you're not sentient. You deserve more. Yes, there it goes. <laughs> you exactly. deserve more, Moriarty. <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> now for our actual final. <laughs> We are going to be talking about Commander Rolaren. Hey, Rihanna, it's all you. I'm going to be talking about Commander Rolaren. Okay. Go. Commander Rolaren has always been one of my favorite characters in TNG. Ro was a trailblazer, is a trailblazer, continued to be badass, crawled her way not even crawled, just fucking walked her way <laughs> up the ranks again after being in prison, after coming out of the Maquis. She is still doing her own shit. She is still fighting evil people. She is blowing up a ship to save everybody. What a sacrifice. What a beautiful, incredible send-off for Ro. I wish she didn't have to die, and I wish so much for her to have lived and continued on to be captain someday, but I just love the the character we get, and... Thank you so much for coming back, Michelle. Like, thank you. Rolaren walked so Kieran Arise could fly. Yes. So Rolaren could fly too. Yes. <laughs> Full circle. And I, I do want to do a quick acknowledgement that I was initially annoyed that Ro and Shelby both die in mm -hmm. season three. And it's like bringing women on, like legacy women, just yeah. to murder them immediately. But we also were complaining about that with Hugh and Egypt. Yep. So I think Picard just loves to bring on beloved characters and murder and them immediately. Them. Yeah. <laughs> Very heroic or very sad deaths. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wow. We did it. We, we did, did it. it. And you know what's amazing? There's still things that I didn't. We didn't even touch on. Yeah. Or so I really encourage you if you are craving uh, more Picard reviews, if that's possible. There are so many podcasts that are doing Picard reviews right now. 
Yeah. Um, Strange New Pod has been reviewing episodes every week, whereas Bev has been doing interviews every week. Like, pretty much interviews. every <laughs> or interviews has been doing episodes every week, reviews. Um, it, it, there's so many amazing podcasts out there, and we would not be here if it wasn't for them and if it wasn't for you. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been a whirlwind. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, so grateful you all for tuning in. And we will be joined again with our sister next week as we talk Prodigy in Family. And then we'll be back to Picard to talk about family. So Picard is coming <laughs> family back. Family time. We're literally doing our catch-up series. You're going to hear more about Picard um, as we move along that move along home. So. Oh, wow. <laughs> Ellen Marie. <laughs> Okay, that fits. Just a tiny DS9 reference at the end of our Picard episode. Perfect. Um, Thank you very much, Brianna. Uh, Yeah, there's one more thing. Happy birthday cake. Um, Happy birthday cake. Cake. Birthday cake for birthday cake. Yes. (laughs) And thank you all so much for sending in your voicemails. We would like to thank Matt Jennings, Ariel Paul Mellon, Ariana BG, Isaac Brown, Rick Mason, and Beverly Cole. Yeah, just wonderful. Thank you all so much for listening. Woo-woo! Good tea, nice house. (laughs) Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the 12th episode of our family series, where Ashlyn, Rihanna, and Gabby will discuss the family moments in Prodigy. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard today, please leave us a review on whatever platform you listen. By donating $1, 6 12 or $23 per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock exclusive content based on your tier level. You can find all of this and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, first officers, spookies, Spooky series. <laughs> so tired. <laughs> spooky. We are moments away. <laughs> so close. Okay. The spooky series and the holodeck series. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, what are you doing? Please go back and listen to any of these awesome episodes. Social media, marketing, and editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is the Picard remix and Hank Green's What Would Captain Picard Do? And I'll figure out what else the words are. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Remember when he told us to remove the saucer section Even though we were at warp nine There was no objection And yeah, we could have killed the Borg Using you, but we agreed with the captain it was the wrong thing to do. And I'd rather follow Dixon Hill, private detective, than observe some outmoded and obscure prime directive. And even after he was tortured for 40 days and nights, he told that Cardassian that there were still four lights. And yeah, when you're confused and the choice is too hard.
Just think of Captain Picard. Just think of Captain Picard. Think what would Captain Picard do? Yeah, what would Captain Picard do? He'd save the galaxy and he'd do it for free. He'd protect the whole world and he'd still get the girl. And he'd save the Federation and earn the Klingons' admiration. Oh yeah, that's what Captain Picard would do. Oh yeah, that's what Captain Picard would do. And this is also extra exciting because Ashlyn and I are having a little chat, catty corner <laughs> in her desk right now, in her, on her, sitting on her desk, on, sitting at <laughs> people, on people. Okay. Uh, 